Episode 54 of the Reptile Gobo Podcast, and I hate my co host. <laughs> uh, it wasn't me that time. No, but this this is the intro we're going with, and it's going to work. Oh, Katie fucked it up the first time, so I figured I'd do it the second time. Hey, just look. That's how my two How does, how does, all right, are y'all ready? Friday? How, are you ready? We're starting, and then you're like, just start talking. Uh, I'm already over this week, and it's only Tuesday, guys. Shit, it is on Tuesday. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and get into our sponsors. Okay. You want to go ahead? You've got it pulled up this I'm, week. I'm ready. I'm okay, ready go. this week. All right. So are you looking for a high quality PVC rack? Look no further than Lone Star Reptile Racks. They offer a variety of sizes for all types of snakes, geckos, rats, and more. You can even order something custom. Shipping is available or you can plan to pick up at a Herps Reptile Show near you. Visit lsreptileracks.com to reach out to Lone Star Reptile Racks and place your order today. And Robert can tell us about a special promotion he's running right now. Yep. All sales for the rest of the month of February, 10%. Of, let, me, let me start that over. 10% of all sales for the month of February will be donated to the Herbs Family Foundation, uh, which is a nonprofit that Sean and Lori have started to benefit uh, keepers and breeders in our Herbs family in, our, in their time of need. We do um, silent auctions and auctions and donations all the time. So this was a way for them to give back uh, more frequently. And I'm going to do what I can to help. Yes. And we will get into more and a little bit about what they do to help people. Cause when we introduce our guests, they, uh, they were helped by a lot of this. So we'll get to that. Uh, speaking of sponsors and Sean and Lori, our other sponsors, Herps Reptile Shows, which I was prepared to. I have the show list pulled up. We've got, uh, Herps Reptile Shows coming up this weekend is Corpus Christi. I know you'll be there, Robert. Yep. I will not be there. Unfortunately. <clears throat> and then we've got what are you doing, Katie? I'm eating my dinner, so I'm moving away from the microphone. How loud do you plan on eating that? I'm afraid people can hear me because I can hear myself in my own ears. And it's well, that's because it's inside your head. <laughs> no. It's all in your head. Right. Uh March thirteenth and fourteenth is the Brian College station show. Uh I'll be at that one. It's the first one I'm not vending and just going to. It's gonna be very weird. Mm. I'm gonna keep uh, you working. Yeah, but I can get up and walk away. You can. <laughs> um, <clears throat> one that just got moved, the Temple Texas show, has now been moved April 3rd and 4th, uh, which is Easter weekend. But I will be doing that one. I, I actually booked two tables for that one. That's going to be a long drive. But I'm doing that one because after that show, I'm going to hang out with Robert. The drive yep. won't be that bad. It's like a six-hour yeah. drive. That's not that bad. It's not a six-hour drive for you. Well, I have a tendency to drive more <clears throat> than you think. You take James, you like to nap. It's still on drive. You realize that if we end up going hog hunting, it's six and a half hours to that place. Yeah, but at the end of that, I get to go shoot a pig. And then if we decide <laughs> to go herping from there, it's another three and a half hours. But, but then I get to go play with snakes. you and not right. with me. So. Right. That's true. I see her all the time. Especially this last week. Yeah, we just spent a week <laughs> frozen in our house together. <laughs> Uh, and then after that, April 10th and 11th is the Beaumont, Texas Herp Show, which will be at that one. I'm looking forward to that show. That show is going to be yeah, a pretty good one, I think. That, that show is going to be a monster, I think. 
And then I have no idea. I don't. Is it if the Slidell right now? Slidell is still on the schedule for April seventeenth and eighteenth. Changes. But I live in Louisiana, and I have no confidence in the state. Yeah. <sighs> so uh, that may or may not exist. But at least you can make it to uh, Beaumont. That's not far. If you're in Louisiana, you can drive over to Beaumont. That's not far from the uh, Louisiana. And then uh, Temple and Bryan College Station. Those are a little far. But those are the next coming up shows. Herb's Reptile Shows. See, you're like, oh, I don't want them to hear me eating, but then you're going to hit your cup with this fork. And James, please continue with what you were saying. I'm not going to point out everything you do. Everybody's going to witness a murder tonight on this podcast. <laughs> and there won't be a mystery about who it was. Exactly. I'll win. I know where all the weapons are in this room. <laughs> um, the Herb's Family Fund. You talked about that earlier. Since we're talking about Herb's. Uh, that is the fun that Sean and Lori started to try and help out all of our Herbs family. Because as, as we talked about on our last podcast, all the vendors that do the Herbs shows, we are one big family. It's not just a bunch of random people showing up to vend. We we see each other, uh, I mean, multiple, multiple times a week or a month. I mean, a month, a year, a year. Although we Robert, are on the struggle bus Jesus. tonight, y'all. Good Lord. I'll get it. I'll get it together at some point. Everybody else gets to listen to us screw up. It's cool. Other vendors. Although uh, Robert gets to see people multiple times a month. He does every show. Right. Yeah. Other vendors become like your second set of parents for your children, and you start to trust more people. And I don't trust anybody. It's great. I don't trust anybody. I trust. I trust a lot of people. I find it safe to trust no one. Just a miserable way to go through life. You have to also. No, then you're just pleasantly pleased when things work out. You have to triple check everything (laughs) before you put it in your in your car, so you make sure the doll doesn't go home with you. Well, Doll hadn't been in the last yeah. few shows. We've been good. It's coming this weekend. it's coming to Corpus. Oh. Anyways, so with talking about the the fund that we mentioned uh, last time, and that Robert is donating ten percent of his February uh, sales suit, that is uh, started by Sean and Lori, who have helped out a lot of people. And over this past year, a lot of stuff has happened uh, where people have need needed help, uh, whether it be some some of our vendors with cancer, some people lost their homes to fire. And then some people uh, lost their homes to hurricanes. We got lucky enough our our house did not get wiped away by the hurricane. But it does bring me to our guests tonight, which are Jay and Tanya Clocho. Did I get it right? I got it right. Nodding yes. 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 I remember that I said it earlier, and then I've talked a lot since then. I told you. I I called this. You did a great job. I didn't get it wrong. But of Gecko Element, previously uh, in Louisiana. But you, but you have left Louisiana. Um, really? Because because we're going to be following suit soon. We we haven't left yet. <laughs> um, I if if you don't mind, I, I originally we were going to have you on last week, and then we the cluster that was I last storm. week for everybody. Right. Yes. Um, and and my hopes it, it kind of worked out. Our our we were going to talk about uh, our original question for the week was uh, things that you should be prepared for but you are not as prepared as you wish you were worded something like that. I don't know. Let me, let me find my actual post. So it doesn't sound as horrible. It was, what is something you should be better prepared for if it happens, but I have not prepared for it yet. And I knew I was having y'all on and y'all went through the hurricanes and y'all had yeah. horrible mess of the hurricanes. Yes. And so I was just hoping you could explain a little bit what happened. If you don't mind 
Uh, and y'all, I mean, y'all were prepared. It's Louisiana, but I mean, you can't be prepared right. for your house to be lifted off the foundation. That's not right. No. Right. Um, Hurricane Laura struck, uh, when Hurricane Laura came through that, she was, she came through as a, they recorded her as a four. Some say she was a five, but we decided to stay, um, because it was just the best option that we had at the time, um, in order to allow our family to get out we wouldn't have been able to get out with all of our animals and there was no way that we were leaving our animals behind. So we stayed for the hurricane and I will tell you, I will never do it again. It was the worst night of my life. Um, and as we sat in a very small little bitty utility room with air mattresses and bed mattresses <clears> piled <throat> on top of us in case something came down on top of us, we, we sat there, the, we could feel the concrete floor. Our home was on a concrete slab we could feel the floor lifting under us um at some points we could hear the root the nails in the roof being pulled out you could literally hear the nails being pulled wow. out of the roof yeah. um, we could we could feel the floor moving under us that that's just how bad it was um and then when you finally think it's over and so you fall asleep for about 30 minutes because everything mm -hmm. calms down and then you wake up in a panic because you don't know what's going on and you go to the front door and you open your front door and everything that you loved about where you lived is gone. I mean, it's just every tree we, we had in our, on our property was laid down. Um, and I'm talking gigantic oak trees and pine See, I've trees. Been, I'd been to that house. There was a lot of trees around that house. Yeah. You were in and the middle of. Nowhere. Yes. <laughs> 50 and plus year old oak Yeah, trees. we had 50 plus year old oak trees there. And I mean, there were holes in the yard from where they were just uprooted where we could have literally parked our RAV4 in them. I mean, that's how big and deep the holes were. Um, so that was just complete and total devastation. Uh, we had structural damage. A tree was um, put on the house. We had a pine tree fall on the home. Uh, it also fell on my son's car. Um, and uh, we noticed Jay days later, Jay opened the attic and we could see for the roof, the, the fat, the, what's it's, it's all the, the decking, decking, the decking of the roof, um, was cracked from one end of the roof to the other, the whole house, the whole roof was cracked. And when yeah, we went outside, you could see the roof was very wavy. Every, the, it had serious structural damage. When the tree <clears throat> fell on the home, it hit the wall and it knocked stuff off of the wall inside of the house and the whole wall was pushed in. The wall was cracked from the ceiling to the floor and it was pushed in. And if that wasn't uh, amongst other damage, but if that wasn't enough, um, we were without power for, um, I think it was five days shy of a month. Oh, wow. um, so yeah. we were running on a generator for that entire time to keep things going. Um, Thankfully for us, it was in the summertime, so it didn't affect our geckos and everything as much. It was it was tougher to keep them cool than it was anything, you know, to keep the temps down because it was Louisiana, of course. Yeah. Um, but we made it through that okay. No, you know, other than the home damage, everything was okay. We were shook. We were very shook, but we made it through. <clears throat> Finally got power back, and um, I, the the week after we got power. Delta came through and we evacuated with all our animals, every single animal we had, we, we, we brought them with us. We evacuated and we went to Huntsville, Texas, and we were in Huntsville, I believe for two days and we were able to make it back 
to our home. And when we got back to our home and we opened the door, it was horrendous. Um, it was obvious that our home had flooded and it, we didn't know at the time exactly how much water had gotten in the home. But when we finally started finding watermarks on the furniture and things like that, we had, we know for sure over two foot of water. Um, our build, we had a, um, 12 by 24 building in our, in Mm. the backyard. And that was about two, two or three foot off the ground. And that got water in it as well. And the house floods before the building does. So, um, unfortunately for us, we were not in a flood zone. So we did not have flood insurance. So we had no, nothing. We were homeless for less than 24 hours. Thanks to the amazing outpouring support from our Herbs family. Over the course of several auctions that Sean and Lori put on at the Herbs shows, they raised a total of $15,000 for us. And we were able to take that and put it towards the home that we're staying in now. We went in on a lease with Sean and Lori, basically. And we were able to take that and secure us a roof over our head until June of this coming year. That's what we did with the money that everyone raised for us. We, we Sean and Lori got it and um, they paid the lease here for us to be able to be here for until June. We have never been more grateful. We've never been that, on that side of things. We were always on the other side. So it was very humbling and it was, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A be- very gracious time to go through. You know, it was yeah, overwhelming. That's the word I was looking for. Overwhelming. It was just very overwhelming how much support they gave us. You know, and it has I mean, to be shocking to be on that side because, like is. you said, you've never been on that side before. No, and I mean, so, we're always at the shows. We're always donating animals mm-hmm. to the auctions. We're always doing those types of things, yeah. but we've never been on this side of it. You know, so to be on this side and see the outpouring support was just amazing. And I mean, we can, we'll never be able to be grateful enough for everything everyone has done for us. Like it's amazing. Well, with hurricanes, it's, it's obviously with the last name like yours, you're not, it's not the first hurricane you've been through. No, not at all. So, but for people that aren't used to hurricanes, there's different ones. So like, like you said, you were going to write it out. Katie grew up on the coast also, and she in Alabama. In Alabama, and they never went through a horrible, horrible one. And Not in my lifetime. And so there was. She also, when we got together, had this mentality of we could just ride these out. And I was like, no, like people in New Orleans thought they could ride out Katrina, and and that look what happened. I was like, well, the thing is, is is up to a certain point you can, but then right. it problem, turns, and it's like yeah. shit. We don't have well, time. And the, yeah, and the problems <laughs> are so different. Like, so Laura had almost no rain. But insane winds and that yes. destroyed everything. Yes. And then when was it Beta? Gant, what was Beta Delta. was the other one? Del- Delta. Delta. Uh, we went through so many hurricanes. I can't remember. We did. When Delta <laughs> came through, that was just water, just tons of water. Like you said, and it flooded. So you had two hurricanes come through that were two totally different hurricanes. Yeah, oh, very right. much so. It was. Um, it was. It was insane. I mean, the amount of damage was insane. When we got that <laughs> after after Hurricane Laura, we had no driveway. Our, our driveway was covered in trees. You couldn't pull into our driveway, so we had to park on the side of the road. So we had put a little ramp. Jay had made a ramp for us to be able to walk across the ditch on it. 
when we came back from Delta, that was gone. The, 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 it had floated away. Um, there was so much of our stuff that was gone because it floated <clears throat> away. Um, it was really insane. It was an experience to go through and hopefully I never have to go through it again. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, it's well, the it's worst amazing. hurricane that I've ever been through. I went, I lived through Andrew. Um, Andrew actually, uh, destroyed a mobile home of ours whenever I was a child. It burned down our mobile, our mobile home burned down right after Hurricane Andrew. So I've been through them, but this was the most devastating ever. Like it was just horrible. And it's amazing because your, your home is roughly about two hours away from ours, just two hours south here. And so when we got here, there was, it was wind, but we didn't suffer any structural damage. So like the amount that it died just in that, span from Lake Charles to here, uh, central Louisiana was crazy. And when we decided to stay, when we decided to stay, they weren't expecting her to be as, as bad of a hurricane as she was. We were expecting to go through a two, maybe a, a a small three. And then she just kept intensifying kind of like what Katrina did. And by the time it was that bad, we we were stuck. We couldn't we couldn't do anything. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's the first hurricane Shreveport has ever had. Wow! Like, and Shreveport's it, two hours north of, of us. us. So it's like right. that. it was still a one when it hit Shreveport. Yeah. Wow. I had to look up the year for Andrew because I'm like I vaguely. 92. Yeah, I, I was like I vaguely. That's when all the Burmese one. pythons got thrown into the Everglades. That was when, oh okay that uh as I much remember, as I keep want to say it's people releasing it. I remember that one because I remember yeah. being at my grandparents' house. They lived on the side of town that didn't flood, so we would always go to their house for hurricanes. Because uh, I grew up, so I grew up 15 minutes from Pascagoula, Mississippi. Gotcha. Which is right there on the coast. Um, I, really I, grew up, like, I grew up 10 minutes from Galveston, so same oh, thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Well, people people are familiar with the, the, the squirrel the squirrel song that from Pascagoula. <laughs> it's a great song. Then, no, people are not familiar with that. Like People should be. People should be. In 2021. <laughs> A lot of people are not look, familiar with that look, song. Our, our almost ten-year-old child is obsessed with the Beatles, so people should have better. Okay, taste in you music. can't really compare the Beatles with Ray Charles. Uh, not Ray, not Ray, Ray Stevens. No. Ray Charles. Stevens. Ray Stevens. <laughs> Ray Stevens. <laughs> I, had that, I had that on uh, VHS. The Mississippi Shore like, Bible. Like four or five other. Uh, Don't look Ethel. That was on yeah. there. I haven't. I haven't heard that song in so long. I just brought it up on my Amazon oh. Music so I can listen to it when we're done. Oh my gosh! Oh my but gosh. so, how many animals when when all this happened at your house? How many animals did y'all have? Uh, I don't exactly remember because we had a lot of our babies at the time too. Um, but I mean, at any we have about three hundred breeders, three hundred just plus breeders, breeders alone. So wow. that, in addition to um, let's see, four what's four times thirty. Is I'm not doing math. I refuse. About 120. So we probably had somewhere between four and 500, probably. And so at been, the time. And in case we haven't clarified before, that's that's, that's mostly fat tail geckos. Now I know you have a few There's other leopards, leopards in there. And stuff. Yes, most yeah. of at the time, majority of it was fat tails because um, we didn't have a great leopard gecko season last year, unfortunately. <laughs> so most of it was fat tail geckos. Yes. Um, that's, that's a and lot then of we still had eggs up. in the incubator as well, um, which, of course, the eggs we couldn't take. I mean, we just had to leave those in the incubator, but 
they all hatched. Hmm, Even awesome. after moving them from Lake Charles nice. to Bryan, Texas, they made the four and a half hour trip from Lake Charles to Bryan, Texas and hatched on the counter here because we hadn't gotten a chance to get the incubator set back up yet. So they literally hatched on the counter here in their deli cups. That's, oh, that's awesome. So they did amazing. <laughs> we were very thankful. And fortunately, it was towards the end of the season, and there wasn't a whole lot. Yeah, we didn't have very much left. It was towards the end of our breeding season, so we didn't have very many eggs left in there. Oh, that's I, – I knew that you guys did a lot. I guess I've never heard a number associated with the amount. That you that you do, and that's a, like oh, that's a shit ton of lizards. I, and to man. me, lizards are so well. And to yeah. me, lizards are so much more than snakes. And so like that many oh, lizards is, is crazy for me. I can't. Yeah, we actually have more now because we've upped our uh, breeders throughout 2020. We were upping our breeders. Um, we've uh, per, we've got our hands on a lot of um, wild caught imported fat tails, which is really important for us to be able to diversify our bloodlines and everything. And this year uh, we have in wild caught fat females alone, we have 45 females just in wild caught fat tails. Um, is it, this us. is what you guys do full time? Yes, yes, this is what we do full time. Yeah, I guess that means lizard. That's that. a full time job. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It is. And I mean, I was doing it before the hurricanes. I was actually doing most of it by myself because Jay had a full time job. Right. Um, and then um, once the hurricanes hit, he lost his job due to the hurricanes. Um, this has sustained us, and it's it's our dream. So as much as the hurricanes <clears throat> seem like such a tragedy. At they this point, it's almost been a blessing because well, we've been able to minimize so much in our life and we're actually living our dream. We're doing what we want. We get up and work so together cool. every single day, you know, and uh, I, it's allowed uh, us to Look, they're not tired bigger. of each other yet, so there's hope for us. <laughs> 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 oh, he yeah, disappears in the gecko room sometimes. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> okay. I, I, can, I can identify with that because I started this business because I got laid off from my job uh, five days after I turned 40 years old. And wow. I decided if there was ever a time to do it, it's now. And I started yep. this business in the middle of the pandemic, you know, oh, wow. and, uh, and, and it's done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's done more than I ever dreamed it would have. And That's I'm awesome. just, just almost at a year now since I started it full time. And uh, so, yeah, I completely understand that, that you guys saw the opportunity and said, okay, here's the time. Let's do it. And oh, kudos to y'all for having the guts to do it. That's We purchased our very first leopard gecko 20 years ago, or 21 years ago, actually, to be exact. 98, 99. And um, from there, it just, uh, uh, we, we were in love. I mean, we couldn't let them go. So we just started attending shows. Our very first reptile show was in Slidell, Louisiana, in a little bitty wooden fireworks stand and when you walked in the floor was dirt there was no floor it was just dirt <laughs> that was our first reptile show so and we learned a hard lesson back then because we actually lost our first company to a hurricane we were in the middle of moving and we were between two houses so we had stuff in one house and stuff in another house and couldn't get electricity in either one and it was July and it was, yeah, well, Long story short, we lost a good 
portion of our collection back then. And we have since, I was in, I believe, 2004. And we have since then rebuilt to come back to where we are today. You know, um, and I couldn't be happier. It's what we want to do. It's what we love to do. It's all I ever want to do, you know. So I'm grateful. We, were, well, we couldn't get back to that house for like two weeks. Yeah, we were we were oh, away wow. from the house. Yeah, it was we we were new, and I, and honestly, we weren't prepared at that time. You know, now, like even for Laura, we were prepared. We had what we needed. We we had all the delicacies yeah. needed to put every single gecko in. You know, it's just the same thing with the snowstorm that we just went through in January. A snowstorm hit here in Bryan, Texas, and we were without power for twenty four hours. We had every single gecko that we own and, and um, our other reptiles, my Euromastix tortoise, all that other stuff in our truck for 24 hours, keeping them warm because we had no power. Same thing happened to us last week. We lost power for almost five hours. It was like four and a half hours and we were ready. We, as soon as it kicked off, we threw everybody in, in cups, threw them in a the tub and put them in a the truck. Even I pulled we have 250 eggs incubating right now. Wow, and that's I, crazy. We put every single, I put every cup of eggs and put them in the truck to keep them warm. And as of right now, it does not look like we will lose anything. We are so The organization awesome. that you've got with this is outstanding. Like, blows my mind. Thank you. I've, I've been in that reptile room and that was a, what, New Year's Eve, right? No, the week uh-huh. after New Year's uh-huh. Eve. Or a couple days I later. will be there in a couple weeks. I just realized <laughs> we're going. And I'm sure. I mean, you got you guys were working on it then. I'm sure it's even a lot different now than it was then, huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We've well, we've added, of course, to it, and then now we've got the babies from this year starting to hatch. So we've oh right there too. Just so yeah. Yeah. Well, and I remember asking. I asked Jay at Conros because I looked at the lizards on your table, and they're 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 big. They're not babies and so i asked you I was like how, how long do you normally keep these and, and you keep them for a while so yes. these 200 something babies you're about to have aren't being bo- hatched and then sold right away no you know? we don't release anything until it hits at least 15 grams um and we've just found over the years that 15 grams is a good point because at that time we've had them in our possession long enough that we know they're shedding well, we know they're eating well, and they're they're old enough where they're going to make that transition well. They, they, anything smaller, and they're just babies. They're 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 not they're not established yet. They need time to to get used to everything and habits and you know things like that. Well, I've got to imagine for a new owner, a new lizard owner, if they buy one of your babies, if they were you know under fifteen grams. Setting up a baby like that is not what most people are prepared for. Like that, that's a very small lizard. So the yes. size that you're selling it at, it's much easier to set up in a 10 gallon tank and go from there versus right. how small they are as babies. It's a lot well, more stable you, and makes the transition much better. Absolutely. And when you get a gecko from them, as you very well remember in November, you also get all the information that you need to go with it and countless hours of extra phone calls because our child comes up with all the questions. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for those who don't we know, do. And we yes. tell our customers that all the time. You're never a bother. Don't ever hesitate to contact us. We love what we do. And, and it's important for us for you to contact us simply because 
that's our babies. So we mm-hmm. want to know our babies are okay. So when I send them mm-hmm. home to you, I'm sending you home with something that I know is is ready to go home with you. You know, I'm not sending you something that's just fresh out of the egg and hasn't even eaten or isn't established or anything like that. Because, I mean, you do have trouble ones. You know, you have some that are slow growers. You have some that may not eat right away. They may have a little bit of trouble shedding until they hit a certain point. You know, so you, as a breeder, it's my response. It's our responsibility, sorry, to go through those. Yeah, Jenny, you have work to do. <laughs> it's our responsibility to go through those steps and make sure that we're not sending you home with a problem. And that's not to say that some people don't take some home and we don't have to go through some, you know, uh, transitions or thing, you know, we go through things, uh, it, it happens, you know, and not all of them settle in as well. I mean, we keep them in rack systems. People are taking them home and putting them in tanks. That's a huge adjustment for them. You know, and we, yeah. we try to explain that, that you have to give them time to settle in, find their warm spot and just get used to their new environment. It's a whole new environment for them. I think oh, yeah. we have finally figured ours out yeah. and got him got his heat right we started with under tank heat so but in case anyone is curious our daughter her fat tail gecko came from tanya and jay yes so that's, that's <laughs> and, and we said and we set up the tank and bioactive we put the under tank heat thing and we just it, it wasn't acting right we wasn't getting warm enough so we bought a ceramic heat emitter and put it on top and now you go in there at night he's out laying underneath it and he comes out and you, you can see him eat and he's doing so much better now yeah it's like uh, a totally it, different lizard it was now a learning experience because i've had leopard geckos and leopard geckos, as much as I always were like, they look the same, they're definitely not the same. They're not. And leopard geckos, they're just not as finicky as fat tails are. Fat tails are very picky. They're picky eaters. They're picky about their hot spots. They're, they're just very picky. You know, so most fat tails tend to prefer crickets. And we've done a lot of research. And if, if you research fat tails, the most common feeders available to them in the wild are multiple types of crickets and grasshoppers. So it just makes total sense that that's what they're used to. You know, they, that that's what they thrive on. They, even though they're not wild, that that's just, that's their nature. That's just them. Yeah. They enjoy the hunt. Right. They like the active feeders. They're not the type of gecko that's going to just sit there and eat out of a bowl. You know, I'm not yeah. saying they won't. They just prefer not to. So... We feed primarily crickets. We do offer other things, but most of our fat tails won't touch them. <laughs> so in your opinion on the two, between fat tails and leopard geckos, would you say they're both decent beginner geckos, or would you lean towards a leopard gecko for someone who needs that learning curve? No, I think I think that they're both very well beginner yeah. geckos. Um, it, the, the, the fat tails, it's, that's the two things that you have to remember is they're picky eaters. And so if, if you try to offer them something else and they don't want it, then you just need to resort back to what they want, which is nine out of 10 times crickets and keep their heat spot where they want it, which is usually around 90 to 92 degrees. If you can maintain that, you're good. They're golden. Yeah. They're not hard to maintain. And for children, I would probably recommend an African fat tail gecko before a leopard gecko, simply because even as babies, when they hatch out of the egg, they will just curl up in your hand. They're they're yeah. very calm, very docile. They're, yeah. they're, and leopard geckos, as babies, tend to be more flighty. I, I I'd say it like this: they're equally beginner, but you can't go into one thinking it's like the other. 
Exactly. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Clear that notion out your head and just treat it the way it should be. Right. I know in my classroom, we have a leopard gecko for a class pet um, that I bought in Tinley a little over a year ago. And the students love her, but she's very active. Yeah. Even when we get her out, she she doesn't just sit and chill. And then I'll go into our daughter's bedroom in the back, and she's, like, sitting on her bed watching TV, and her fat tail's, like, curled up <laughs> on her shoulder. You know, I'm just like, what? Velma yeah. would never do this. Yeah. Like, our leopard gecko, just, she doesn't. They are. So. They're very chill. They're, and they... They've all got individual personalities, you know, I mean, that's not to say that you aren't going to get one that's not going to have an attitude or have, you know, or you're not going to go in there one day and Joe's not have an attitude, you know, they, they're kind of like us. They have their days, you know, but I mean, oh, yeah. they are a lot more calmer, chill than a leopard gecko is. Yeah. They have more consistently the same personality versus yeah. leopard geckos have more of a variety of personality. Yeah. And I mean, even the wild caught, I mean, even the imports, they are just as chill as can be. You can yeah. just pick them up and they'll just, they're wow. just as chill as can be. So I do have a question about imports. What kind of treatment do you do when you get in a wild import? I don't do any treatment. I quarantine them. Gotcha. And usually there's no, you don't notice any issues really with them? Nope. Cool. Nope. And I'll tell you this. I think more people run into problems when they do treat them. Than when you don't. Yeah. And the reason for it is because that's natural for them. That's, that's, you, you, they need that to survive in the wild. And if you just start feeding them, they work it out. It's gone. It's, uh, you would be amazed how quickly they not only put on weight, but they, they don't look anything like a wild caught fat tail that you see on a table. Yeah, after I, after we bring them home and they're in quarantine for about a week or so, and we get food in them and we get the right heat on them and start giving them the nutrients with the vitamins and calcium, they look totally different. They don't look bright, like this dark brown, you know, color like you would yeah. um, like what you see in the wild parts on tables. You don't. We don't give any treatments at all. We simply quarantine them. That's it. Most most of them, I find, unless there's one that has a particular issue within three weeks they pretty much caught up to our collection in in weight in weight i mean wow. you get them with like you can you'll see like a wild caught an import typically has a very skinny tail they usually have regenerated tails and they usually have a very skinny tail most people would shy away from that but we know what happens when you take that home and and feed it, you know, it, and it doesn't take long. I mean, it does not take long at all for them to yeah. bounce back. It's it's and very, very quick. Absolutely. And your methods are obviously tried and true because it's working for you. Mm. And what, you, what you're doing is working. So. Yep. Yep. And I mean, that's not, I mean, if you choose to treat, that's, that's you know, but we have found that not treating them and just quarantining them and letting them work it out themselves, which to be honest with you, they don't come in bad. They don't have bad stools. Their stools look like normal stools. They, they start eating. They, they eat immediately. We don't have any trouble with them. I mean, we'll put them in quarantine. We'll go back the next day and feed them and they'll eat immediately. First feeding, they eat yep. no problems at all. It's, it's, <laughs> That's, oh, that's way different than like wild caught snakes a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, we don't mix them in our collection, of course. Like I said, we put them in quarantine oh, yeah. because there's always that chance, you know, but yeah. we do not give any treatments. None. Yeah. 
it's for the first time in their life, they have consistent temps and consistent meals. I mean, they don't get that in a while. So they just shoot up. Yep. Crazy. I love it. <laughs> I, I want I want to jump back to our question on Facebook, but then I do want to come back to Fat Tales in a second. Before I do that, I meant to mention one thing at the beginning, and I forgot to. Uh, this is our last episode before our big drawing for our first big prize for our listeners. Oh, so, yeah. So I wanted to, to, to reiterate the, our prize. It's a $100 gift certificate to uh, Southern Reptile Supply uh, at any Herp show, $100 to use. And, and trust me, if Andy doesn't have it, you probably don't need it for your reptile because right. he's got everything. He's even got non-reptile supply stuff. If you have he, like a birthday or something coming up and you want to buy something for somebody. He's got everything. It's crazy. And you'll uh, probably but, have a hard time beating his prices as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. And so I just want to remind everybody, if you haven't entered or if you know anybody and you want to let them enter, all they got to do is go to the Reptile Gumbo Podcast Facebook page. You'll see that I pinned the post at the top. All they have to do is comment. What would they buy with the $100 gift certificate uh, to Southern Reptile Supply? And they're in the drawing. And then we will announce the winner uh, next week because next week is a new month. And we will have a new sponsor. We already have uh, – I got to talk to our our probable sponsor for our next month. But we already have a sponsor lined up for next month. We do. We have a few lined up. Uh, but we will announce the winner uh, next next week, which will be like the second or whatever of March. It will be Tuesday. I'm not ready for March. <laughs> I'm I'm I don't know what I'm ready for. Our at this child point. turns ten in March and I'm not okay. Oh goodness. Oh that's nine. right, she's not ten yet, is she? No. She's nine. Not nah, I don't. <laughs> I don't if know. you see me next week and I don't look okay, that would be why. <laughs> so just just a reminder, go check out our Facebook page. Uh join the giveaway. Every month right now our plan is every month to give away something. Um nice. Well uh, we're willing to goal. do a hundred dollar gift certificate. If you don't have anybody for April, we'll do it for April. Whenever you need awesome. it. That's cool. That would be I'll awesome. add you to the list. That would be awesome. awesome. I just, I, I'm not a huge gecko person, but every time I walk by your table, I'm like, that looks really cool. Like, there's some really cool geckos that I never would have. All right, we'll get to genetics in a second. <laughs> First, I want to jump back to the question of, again, the question was, what is something you should be better prepared for if it happens, but have not prepared for it yet? And as we've talked with Jay and Tanya, y'all have mentioned, uh, you went through a hurricane in the early 2000s, and it did not go well. You were prepared for this hurricane, and as much as you could prepare, Laura was a completely different beast, and that was horrible. Yeah. Um, so I want to read some of these ones that other people went through. Our buddy Travis Wyman said power failure, which a lot of our a lot of our friends and family and listeners all suffered through power failure uh, last week. He said uh, he has a buttload of 72-hour heat packs, but you really should probably consider a UPS or something. I'm assuming that's a generator. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think it's a battery backup. I think gotcha. that's what they're talking about is a battery backup. Um, that was one thing. My, having our generator makes me feel a little better. We, we do have a generator. Uh, I, I think about all the time before we had our generator thinking, man, so much stuff could have happened. But luckily, like you said, during hurricane season, if you lose power, we kind of have animals that can do all right during hurricane season. Right. As long you as know, it doesn't get too hot. I, ice storms right. are not usually our issue. And so that was a whole different learning curve for all of us. Yeah, it was crazy. So, but I, I agree with Travis. Power failure is is always a fear. I mean, I, I kept running through the game plan. If the power went out, and I kept telling Katie, this is what we're doing. Because I had to go get my tortoises. I'd have to bring them inside. And luckily, Like every few hours. He was like, let's talk about the plane again. <laughs> but luckily, yeah, power that never happened. Hour- 
power outages are detrimental, especially for the incubators, you know, because that that fluctuation in temperature can kill you in a heartbeat, you know. And speaking of temperature fluctuation, I don't know about in Texas, but it was like 74 degrees here today. Uh, It was 80 degrees here today. It was 77 here. Yeah. It's crazy. We were were 10 degrees a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. 10 degrees. Our biggest biggest struggle during the first day with the power being out was keeping our incubator up to temperature. We used bottles of hot water. Yeah. And it worked. And they, they, those eggs should hatch next Monday, so we'll we'll see how it went. Awesome. Yeah, we had babies hatching through the whole snowstorm. I mean, yes. I saw some of your pictures on Facebook. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> that's crazy. Y'all are not supposed to come out in the winter. Y'all are y'all want oh eat? What are y'all God. doing? <laughs> um, the we next one. Like, oh, go ahead. We were much like a, a duck for that whole thing, like. Showing calm on the surface, but we was running like crazy. Yeah, we <laughs> see. Yeah. I, well, I don't think I've ever seen you not calm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you'd have been here last week, yeah. you'd have seen you not calm. <laughs> well, and to get to and to get to your reptile room, you have to go outside. So yes. you just had to go outside to, and oh, have to get to it. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. yes, it's probably what 50, 60 foot across there. Yeah, yeah. probably. Uh, yeah, that, free, that freezing rainstorm that came through was bad. Yeah, yeah. Or car trekking through ice and snow. <laughs> Crazy. Um, so another one that I see, and actually two people here kind of have it back to back. Ryan Holland and Christian Parr both kind of planning for what would happen if something were to happen to them. What happens to their animals if something were to happen to them? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Holland said, uh, "Will his family be able to take care of them or give them to responsible owners?" Uh, he also needs to make a summer and winter plan in case of power outages. But the big thing, a lot of people don't don't plan. I guess nobody nobody likes to plan for if something were to happen to you, but they don't plan for what would happen to the reptiles. And Katie and I have talked about it. And luckily, we know enough people. We know you know we know y'all. And we know Sean. And we know everybody. If something were to happen to me, she could find somebody to help her. But not everybody has that support that we right. have. And if right. something were to happen to me, they would just make sure you come out of this room every now and then. Yeah. I just, <laughs> don't worry. Nothing, nothing's happening to you. We're good. I can't have okay. Um But Travis did point out to Ryan that uh, the Herpticulture podcast did put out a reptile con- contingency plan PDF a while back. Um, I got to go back and find that. I need to fill that out and have it done where you can fill out everything where you want things to go, where you would want supplies to go, where you'd want animals to go. I remember who who not to sell to if there's a list of people say, you don't want it to go just, to. There's a spot on the form. I remember looking at the form when it came out, and there's even a spot like a, one of those like under no circumstances should this person get this animal type situation. Oh, wow, that's pretty um, cool. Because yeah. you, I mean, you at that point have no control over that anymore, so it's all yeah. based on what's on that paper. Well, if you but there was that, even in my way, it's yeah, there was. Yeah, there was even like a, this is, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's there's stuff that you could do. Like if somebody did want to keep it and they're not familiar with the animal, you know, it's like this is what you would do with this animal. And this is how you would take care of this animal. And this well, is who you contact. Well, that one shocked me because after that came out, Travis contacted me and asked me for like my address and all this stuff. And I was like, what's up? And there were some animals that are on the list that if something were to happen to Travis, which I hope never does, uh, are coming to me. So I guess I kind of hope never does we don't need any more rubber boas in this house i always need more rubber boas so uh but yes the the fear of something happening to you and then not knowing what to do you definitely have to work that out ahead of time just because that like i said for us in this conversation here 
we know enough people right. will be fine. Right. But you think of so many people that they don't have people around them that keep reptiles. They're the only person in a small town somewhere. And if something were to happen, like that's especially with not even, I'm not even talking about financially, like how much money people have invested in their animals, but the emotion that people have invested in their animals. And then you got to think about what could happen to that animal. If, oh yeah. If you weren't there. Yep. And we're all fortunate. Like- we're all fortunate that we all do it as like a husband and wife team. There are a lot of people out there that it's just the wife or it's just the husband and the other yeah. partner is, yeah. has no interest has no at clue. all. Yeah. Oh, I can tell you right now, there's about four things over here in cages that I would be making phone calls. I wouldn't even be open in the cage because <laughs> I know which ones are prone to strike. And I'm like, nope, I'm calling this person to come get this one and this person to come get this one. Right, and, but you can get yourself yeah. out of trouble. You know, if yeah. you were yeah. in trouble in there, but there are yeah. some people in the hobby that it's, they're in it alone. You know, there's has no idea, no interest, no nothing. So that would be an even harder situation. Oh, absolutely. Um, LaVisa said the thing that she hasn't prepared for is losing an animal. LaVisa's fairly new into the hobby, so she hasn't lost an animal yet. You know, had an animal die, whereas most, all of us, we've we've gone through that more times than we'd like to think of, and it Um, definitely sucks. Yes, She says, even my isopods have never had die-offs yet. Yeah, I've gone through that. Oh wow! So I found that too. So that's um, it. You kind of—I don't want to say you have to come. You don't have to become heartless, but you have to come to the realization that it's going to happen. It happens. It, yeah. it doesn't get easier. It doesn't make it easier. No. But it happens. No, I, look, you know, I'm telling you right now, if my male rainbow boa dies, I mean, if when my male rainbow boa dies, I, I'm it's going. Gonna live I, I hope so. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to shut down for like a week. Yeah, that was my first snake, yeah. and when he goes, I don't know what I'm gonna do. That's yeah. the one that got me over my fear of snakes because when we started dating, I wouldn't even walk in the room with any of the animals. I'm like, nope, I'm good at the girl <laughs> things. And I, look I, at me now. <laughs> I've cried over many of animals. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think if you're not at that point, I don't know if this is for you. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, If, if you're only seeing yeah. them as dollars, if the only reason you're upset yeah. it died is because you didn't make money off of it, then that's yeah. definitely not what you should be doing. Yeah, no. I'll, I'll say it like this. For as many breeders as we have, each and every one of them's got a name. What do you I, do? I, I, I'm that's guilty. Cool. I, I'm guilty of quit naming things. Okay, Joe and <laughs> we I. We don't name them. the babies. People ask us all the time, what's the baby's name? Well, we don't name the babies because if I name the babies, I couldn't send them home. <laughs> that's exactly. I was like, but if you name it, you get attached. Exactly. So. I can't name them. I, yeah. I just end up calling things by what more fit is. Joseph, you have <laughs> names for some of your fish in the community fish. Yeah, but that changes. Like, <laughs> so, those, she'll yeah. say a name, and I'm like, I have no idea what animal you're talking about. I, did, I didn't name that She thing. named stuff. It's okay. Like, you can definitely tell uh, which animals are over 10 years old in my collection because they have names. Yeah. And you can tell when I started getting, like, a bunch. Of, like, I'd get, like, four or five at a time, and then I just, like, I don't name them anymore. But we do it. We we keep track of it for genetic purposes. It, it it's, you know we keep the mother yeah. and the father, and that's how we keep it for records. And that's 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 just the that's, easiest way for us. <laughs> I've yeah. seen a lot of that where people will talk about pairings, and they'll talk about the pairing by adults' names, like the the breeders' names, which right, I always right. think is kind of cool. Um, I don't do it, but I, I do see it. It's kind of cool. The sticker for Clay is on the side of his tank in, his, in Joe's room. Does it say Clay on it? No, it's the pairing that he came oh, from. So that from when, so if she, has information. she decides yeah. to get a female, we can get one from a different line. Gotcha. Yep. I didn't think that far because I was like, I'm not breeding lizards. <laughs> well, your child is. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like Lady oh. Joe is. <laughs> <laughs> your child has plans. <laughs> All right. So speaking of breeding, 
and lizards. Uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit about genetics and fat tails because I know almost nothing. I've asked Jay a few questions here or there, but I know pretty much nothing in the genetics of fat tails. Um, you know, I have a pretty good understanding of genetics in general, you know, incomplete dominant, recessive, dominant, all that stuff. Right. Most of the traits in fat tails, I remember I asked you at Conroe, are they recessive or incomplete dominant? Recessive. Most are recessive. recessive. Yes. Okay. Because, like, we have the crested gecko, and I know with crested geckos, it's a freaking crapshoot. <laughs> like, I'll see people go, they'll breed these two together, and they come out looking nothing like any of them, and they have no clue if it's going to look like any of them. And that's always super confusing to me, because I don't understand how you plan breedings with crested geckos and get nothing that looks like the parents, and it's still okay. So that drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, there's only one that is not recessive in fat tails outside of like your color traits, such as like tangerine and such, which is just a polygenetic, but, um, and that would be the whiteout and you actually can't breed whiteout to whiteout because it's uh, detrimental. It doesn't survive the baby. If they hatch, it doesn't survive more than a, an hour or so outside of the egg. They, they don't survive very long outside of the egg. So whiteout times whiteout is fatal. Now, obviously, the time that has been put into breeding leopard geckos is not equal to the amount of time in the hobby that's been put into breeding fat tails. So, how mm. many how many morphs are there in fat tails? Oh goodness! Now you can catch me up. Is, it, I got is a it a lot? It's it's several. Um, you have the patternless, the ghost, the caramel, the Zulu, um, the Oreo, the Amelanistic. Uh, did I say caramel? Yep. And then I assume there's also combinations people put them yeah, together. Yes, and then you have your, your combos of the recessive genes together as well. And what's really oh, interesting is all these genetics have been discovered and derived from wild-caught specimens. Right. So all these genetics exist in the wild as far as fat tail geckos. Yes. And you want to see the combos. And the... Um, <laughs> <laughs> ghost females and caramel females are, have proven to be infertile. They will not reproduce. Um, we have a few ghost females and um, at, when pairing them, what we've seen in our observation is we have one female that we've paired and she develops eggs all the way to the point where you think she's fixing to lay them and then she reabsorbs them. And then oh, she'll wow. develop another yeah. clutch all the way to the point where she's fixing to lay them and then she reabsorbs them. Like she never had eggs. Like she'd never had them. And she's she to the point where you can see them, you can see them through the belly and all. Oh, yeah, is it? yeah okay. you can. And I mean, she's bulgy even in the belly. Like she's fixing to lay and she'll even act like she's going to lay. And then you come back and they're gone. There, there's nothing in, there's nothing there. And she's, she does it. Um, and caramel albinos, if a caramel albino female lays an egg, it's, it's infertile. They're, they, they don't lay fertile eggs. Now your hets will, you can purchase a het ghost or a het caramel female. And so is that one of those where the male's more expensive than the female? It's becoming that way. that way. The problem is, is that, um, it's just starting to come out. Um, we actually just learned within the last year and a half about the ghosts and the caramels. Um, and it's just becoming more known. Um, there are some bigger breeders that may have been aware of it um, and just didn't say anything. Um, but as soon as we found out, we made it public um, because 
there's people spending literally thousands of dollars, like on a ghost. A ghost female was at between eight hundred and a thousand dollars, and they're spending that on this gecko, thinking that they're going to bring it home and breed it, and they're bringing it home and it won't Surprise. breed. You know, surprise! No breeding. So, um, <laughs> that makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah. Uh, so the ghosts and caramel females, we had some actually in our own collection that we just pet graded out. We just um, sold them as pet onlys. They were they were reduced in price and sold as pet onlys to go to pet only homes. Um, but uh, the males we are finding we're starting to go up a little bit in price. And I, I think it's also going to make the het females go up in price because that's the only way that you're going to be able to produce offspring is with the het females. So it should in fact make the het females go up in the market. But the good thing is you can incubate for sex. So we can. Oh, cool. Yep. Your lower temperatures, like around 82, 83 degrees, you'll get females, primarily females. It's not 100% guaranteed, but you'll get primarily females. And if you go upwards around 88, 89, you'll get uh, primarily males. Right in the middle, around 85, 86, you'll get usually a mix of males and females. I want to say that's how turtles work also. I know croc. I think crocodilians, crocodilians, I think, work the other way, though. The hotter ones are female. The cooler ones are male. I can tell you what. And the then turtles are, are opposite. Now, if you I do go too high in your incubation, you can actually hatch what is considered a hot female, which is she, they're usually infertile because the incubation temperature was too high, evidently, and it, they're infertile. So you can go too high and create females, but they're usually infertile. Okay, so setup. I mean, we have one. I know how we have a setup, but how would you? You're selling. Someone their first fat tail. How do you suggest they set it up? Um, a twenty gallon long with a screen lid. Um, you want a you want three hides. You want a dry hide on the warm side, a moist hide that will be in between half on and half off the hot side. That way, it helps to create the humidity because the heat will help to create the humidity. And then a dry hide on the cool side. You'll have a shallow water water dish. And a shallow dish of calcium with D3, because if you're not dusting their insects enough, they will actually go and eat the calcium on their own. Um, an under tank heater all the way to one side, and you want with plug to a thermostat, always plug to a thermostat, and you want that to reach a surface temp of about 90 to 92 degrees. Substrate, um, for beginners, we really don't recommend substrate simply because they are not sure what to look for. So we recommend paper towels or slate or tile or shelf liner. Slate tile is a really good substrate simply because the undertank heater heat warms that slate very well and it disperses the temperature throughout the tank, which gives a great temperature gradient. For more experienced keepers, go for it. Go for your bioactive. But if you're going by bioactive, be aware that your heat from your inner tank heater is not going to yeah. penetrate through your yeah. substrate. So you may have to end up going with either a ceramic heater emitter or a DP projector. Or or you're going to get a lizard that just burrows and digs to get right. down. Because yeah. we yeah, did I'm find kidding. a hole one time where, where Clay did that. He like yeah. dug to get closer to the he heat. And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. And so you're keeping, the, assume, the majority of your stuff in rack systems, right? Yes, yeah, everything is in racks. racks. Yes. 
what size rack are you using for like an adult? What size tub for an adult? Uh, 16 quart. Okay. Try, I'm always trying to remember what that is. Cause that's, that's one thing they throw around. Like when we go throw on courts, there's just so many different tubs now. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I know my size tubs and I can never remember the other size tubs. You know, if only there were someone who did this that could like yep. throw in their two cents. Um, <laughs> listen, um, I'm already on it. I'm, I'm on my website right now pulling up the dimensions. Those tubs are 16 and three quarter by 11 and seven eighths by seven. There you go. Okay. okay. Yep, so, that sounds perfect. Hatchlings yep. start out in the shoebox. Yes, hatchlings are in six quarts. Gotcha. And you're just keeping them on paper towel and yep. give them like a little hide in there and a water dish. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, the when we when a baby hatches, we set up a, a six quart shoebox. Um, we put a paper towel, a deli cup which is turned upside down, and we cut a hole in it to make their hide. Um, a shallow water dish and a shallow dish of calcium, and we mist it down heavy because they're going to go through their first shed. Babies don't eat. For the first three or four days um, after they hatch, they have to go through their first shed. Once they go through their first shed, then they start eating. Um, so, and then once they hit usually the 15 to 20 gram mark, we bump them up to the 16 quart containers. They don't stay in the six quart tubs. Once they hit this, the 15 to 20 gram mark, we bump them up. That way it gives them more room to grow and it doesn't affect their growth or anything in any way. Gotcha. Okay. I, I, the whole lizard thing is just it. The idea of having to feed something more than once a week throws me off. Yeah. It's it's it. It takes a lot of time. Even with the both of us, we spend pretty much when we have when we don't feed breeders every day. Breeders are fed every other day. Babies are fed daily. Um, and when we ha- when we're in there to do everyone, it takes us somewhere between four and five hours just just feeding. That's getting everybody fed. That's all that. That's not tending to the feeders, feeding, watering the feeders and all that as well. Um, because that's a huge importance in the geckos. You have to feed your feeders because what your feeders eat transfers to your geckos. And that's how your geckos get the nutrients and everything that they need. It's, you gotta be dedicated, but at the same time, there's a lot to be said about being in your collection every day. Yeah. Yes. The fact that it makes you do that is really good. Yeah. Then nothing gets by you. Yeah. And that's another reason for us personally that we like to feed crickets because we can't just drop a week worth of feeders in a bowl and walk away for a week and then come back next week and drop a week worth of feeders in a bowl and walk away. Feeding crickets demands that we're in our geckos daily and every other day because we can't leave enough crickets in there to last them more than that one feeding. Now, I know you've said that the fat tails like to eat crickets. Have you tried roaches with them? Or Yes, we have. Um, and some, are, some will take them. Yep. Some won't. Um, we've found... That um, in our experience, even a lot of the ones that will take them may stop at some point and revert back to refusing anything but crickets. And a lot of, a lot of females will, if they're eating dubious when they go through brumation to get them back on food, you've got to go to crickets. You can get them back to dubious after that, but you got to go to crickets. Gotcha. 
it's just a lot simpler to feed everything instead of individually. I just, I just hate the smell of crickets and things. how fast they die. That always drives me nuts. The the, uh, the biggest reason crickets die is not enough food and not enough water. That's they are heavy eaters and heavy drinkers. And if you leave crickets without water for any amount of time, they're 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 going to start dying off immediately. They are heavy very eaters very, heavy eaters uh, and heavy drinkers. They sound like our a lot of the vendors at the show. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, yes. And, and I will say, I'm in the crickets every day, just like the geckos. Yep. I clean every cricket tub every day. Yep, crickets are cleaned out every single day. There is no smell. And I mean, we get anywhere from eight to 10,000 crickets a week. So that's that's a lot of crickets. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's how we keep them alive. You have to clean them. You have to keep them clean and you have to keep them fed in water. That's the, and the biggest thing is people don't feed in water them enough. Have you thought about at this point trying to breed your own crickets? No. no, because I don't have time. <laughs> I'd rather put the time and effort into geckos. Yep, yep. I'd rather invest in more geckos and breed more geckos than breed crickets. Yep. <laughs> Let somebody else do the crickets. Yep. I'll buy from them and I'll just breed the geckos. <laughs> that's how I feel with rodents. That's why I have not bred rodents yet. Yeah. I, I just I it's like not worth my time. Yeah, he, uh, he tried to talk our child into doing that for him, and um, he pushed hard. I was going to pay her. He for had him. like. A spreadsheet on money she could make. She was having none of yeah, it. She wanted to do it. No part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one thing I wanted to get to last week, and our last week's episode was was aimed at talking to all the people about the storm. There, there was a post that got made on our on our Facebook group about a snake that Nerd was selling. New England reptile distributors was selling. Um, it was a male spider inchy ball python. That had no eyes. It was Daredevil Island. And, and it, and it kind of, I saw it pop up in several groups, people talking about it. But uh, it got posted uh, and labeled by the person that posted it as animal cruelty. And I, and, and I commented, Robert commented on this. I brought it to both of your attention. And we both commented. I didn't comment. Um, and, and I'll ask Jay and Tanya in a second your opinion on it. Because y'all breed a lot, so I'm sure... <laughs> Over the span of breeding a lot, you're going to get babies definitely. with issues. Definitely, uh, it just it's just something that happens. One issue that I think a lot of people had with this is that they had a problem that they were selling this snake, and I don't think those people either understood or want to understand the idea behind selling the snake and not giving away the snake. As someone that's been in the hobby for a long time, there are a lot of people out there looking for free animals. Right. Yes. Usually the ones looking for free animals are not going to offer the best care because it's a free animal. Right. Yep. Exactly. And so if they give away this snake, there's no guarantee that, A, it's going to take care of. Plus, also, it's a spider and inchy. And someone's going to go, ooh, I get a free spider inchy. I'm going to breed this thing. Right. When it should not. When right. it probably right. shouldn't be. Right. And, right. and so they priced it at $200. To me, $200 for the snake for someone wanting a pet does not seem like a lot. It, it, it weeds out a lot of the people that should not have it. And that looks like a pretty good sized snake in the picture. Yeah, I actually it was in one of their most recent videos. They talked about it. They actually I saw the snake, and it's a decent sized snake. Um, but uh, uh, another podcast across the pond, some a co-host on there disagreed with me on the whole idea, which is fine. Everybody's allowed to their opinion. I just think their opinion's wrong. Um, well. <laughs> I, what, I didn't, what I didn't tell you, James, is that the person who posted that in our group 
also posted about us not agreeing with him, basically calling us oh, no, idiots. You saw it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I commented on there it. There was a reply. I, I was pretty pissed because he was talking to us like, oh, okay, well, I understand, but he was too much of a fucking coward to say anything to our face. Or wow. our group. Here, Robert. And he Look went to another Robert. group to talk shit. I'm like, come on, dude. We're all like, grown-ups. Yes, he somebody else. <laughs> look, look, I'm, look, as someone, I have had Rainbow Boas born with no eyes. That uh, was... They unfortunately did not make it. That but with that said, literally. Emily Emily at St. Discovery has a Rainbow Boa with no eyes, and she's had mm-hmm. it for like a year now, and it's doing mm-hmm. great. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a boa in the rack over there that was born with two bug eyes, and both of them have gone down. He eats really? great. He's growing great. And he's unfortunately the prettiest one of the entire damn litter. God, he's so gorgeous. Don't you hate when but, that happens? <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> but because so like the responsible side of me does not have an issue with selling it. I, I do take issue with breeding animals that have uh, issues. Yeah. Um, and even even if it's not a genetic issue that's going to be passed on, I still am not a fan of breeding something that has uh, a a deformed whatever no, or something. Are kink? I know. I know. A lot of times you'll see snakes that have like kink tails or something. Is well, that genetic? Yeah, it's with some. No, there I are some kink. genes in certain animals that do cause kinking. Okay. Uh, there are some genes in carpet pythons that cause kinking and some other things. Um, and, and, and one issue, uh, obviously the a lot of people have with this snake is that it's spider. And many, I've many people both talk about hate spider. I'm not a fan of it because it does have neuro issues. And, and, and people can weigh in on what other side they want to on that. Um, but there are plenty of spider ball pythons that lead a, a fine life, a healthy life, and make a good pet. Right. Just like there's plenty of jag carpet pythons. I had a jag carpet. They're a little special. But there are plenty of them that lead us a fine life. It's, it's, it is what it is. I don't think it's animal cruelty to do that. What, what one thing I had issue with is a lot of people commented that they should have culled it or fed it to something or got rid of no, it. So you're no. more okay Why? with killing this animal no. that can live fine. It just yeah. may be a little special. Yeah. But you're okay with killing it. Like that I don't get. Well, we, well, we tend to uh, we'll market PG not release any genetics so that it's not You can't breed it. Yeah, we're not <laughs> encouraging it to be bred. And we tell them not to breed it. Of course, you can't control everything everybody does. But yeah. not giving them the genetics really discourages it. Right. We usually we usually have them. We don't we don't even have them online. We make them available at the shows. Um, we mark them. We usually put them at least half price of what their normal price would be. Um, and they are marked pet only. And the only information you get on the gecko is it's a my label says pet only. And the sex of the gecko and the date that it hatched. You don't get any parent information, any ge- genetic in- information, nothing like that, because it's being sold as a pet. And that's not. And, and let me, before anybody says anything out out there, that's not for you trying to hide which animals it came from. No. That's no. really you trying no. to not have that person have that information and then go forth and breed it and pass it on. Exactly. Like exactly. Because and I mean. To me- Sometimes, I mean, as a matter of fact, we have an Oreo right now, and there's nothing wrong with him other than he's a slow grower. He's growing slower than everybody else, so he's going to be a pet only because he's growing slow. He sounds like he needs to come live in Miss Lewis's pet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's what I was going to say, though, is is a lot of times these pet-only animals 
are really good for a situation like that. They are. You have a class that needs a pet. They or are. if you've got someone who is like, I have no desire to ever breed these animals because we looked at getting a pet only for Josephine. And cause I was like, look, you're never going to breed it. Let's get this one. It needs a good home. We can do that. And she was like, yeah, but I might want to breathe. I'm like, we don't need to look at these. We need, right. to look at, we need to look at other things. And you know, that's a conversation as a pet owner. I feel like everybody should have, what are you willing to mm-hmm. do? And, and one of the things that really gets me is, and, and I'm going to go there. If you have a dog, I, I treated my dog for four years for his seizures. And we just had to put him down about two and a half weeks ago because his neurological issues like went way past the point. They changed his quality of life. They, they did. Yeah. You know, it, it was to the point where the vet was like, look, this is, he's going to have good days, bad days. How far do you want to take yeah. this? And I right. didn't yeah. want to do you that. You know, I just sitting here um, thinking all of the super judgmental reptile people are probably going to hate me when they hear this because I have scaleless corn snakes. I have spider ball python and I have a pug. well that was one argument that was made on the other on the other post about this uh and i and i brought up dogs and they were talking about english bulldogs well exactly if you own an english bulldog then you can't say that this is wrong and and that person said i was wrong but they said that they they didn't buy it yada 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 it doesn't matter if you own the english bulldog you are part of the group of people saying it's okay to own an english bulldog and don't get me wrong i grew up a mississippi state fan i love them but they are <laughs> along with pugs. Hey, it's not as bad. Pugs aren't as bad as, as English bulldogs. But no, English bulldogs may be the dumbest things humans have ever made. <laughs> I mean, they can't breathe. Uh, yeah. They can't have sex on their own. Yeah. So that be artificially if we can ever afford it, I'm totally getting one. They can't give birth on their own because their hips aren't wide enough. And then their hips end up falling apart as they get older. I mean, they're a stupid dog. But I don't see anybody going, oh, look, we got to quit breeding those. We're, right. the, the, whole yeah. community, the whole community doesn't get mad. Right. And I think I mean, a lot of people got mad. Go ahead. The thing of it is, is, I mean, like, you know, a lot of it is incubation. If you get a fluctuation yeah. in your incubator, yeah. you know, we might get a slight underbite or, 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 or a shorter tail or something like that. There is no way that you're going to convince me that I have to call that baby because it's got a slight underbite. Do you know how many people literally fall in love with the gecko because it's got an underbite? And mm-hmm. and it goes to an amazing home, you know. I mean, that it's what we do it for, yeah. you know. It's I, I'm one of those people that the egg is literally stinky and rotten before I throw it out of the incubator. Like it's got to really let me know that it's not going to hatch before <laughs> I let it go. You know, I'm just one of those people. We're careful about those sales, like she mentioned. We only bring them to the show. They're off to the side, they're not obvious, they're not the main thing we're pushing. When we come across the right situation with the right person, we'll say, hey, look, this may be a good option. And we try to make the right gecko to the right home. And if we don't feel comfortable with someone, we won't sell them nothing at all. <laughs> well, and, and yep. with this whole issue with this snake, I think one thing that triggered people was that it was nerd. Uh, yeah. There are a lot of people that are not a fan of Kevin McCurley and nerd. And so that gave them a platform to yell at him for no apparent reason. Right. Yeah. The other thing that bothered me with the argument was 
how dare they breed these things to have these they didn't breed it to have no eyes right and, no. and as right. far as i know spider isn't known to throw a bunch of no-eyed babies it's not a gene that does that no um, well that's what when i saw the comment that they're breeding them to the point of not having eyes that's when i was like okay i gotta say something because <laughs> that is not what happened here that's at not all what happened yeah, yeah. No, i mean no. it's i don't know i couldn't tell you anything about any of those genetics in the ball pythons i can tell you how snakes breed and i can tell you what you need to do when eggs come although all of our stuff gives live birth you don't have to do eggs if you live birth it's amazing um, well we will be this year because we're breeding corn snakes but moving on um but I could tell you that no one in their right mind is going to just breed to, for have, to have eyeless. Right. Like, that's just not, that's not what we well, do. And, and not Kevin McCurley. Like, as no. much as you may not like him, he is, he is a somewhat well, I mean, he's a well-respected breeder. That guy's bred a lot of stuff. I mean, he's, I'm familiar with their He's not out there breeding eyeless shit just to breed eyeless oh, shit. Right. Like no. said, even Scott Borden said at 200 bucks, come on, that's not, that's not insane. Right. I mean, you... Is you're dealing with life. You, you, yeah. Anytime you're dealing with any form of life, you're going to have these abnormalities. Uh, even as us as humans, we, I mean, you know, you're, you're going to have these abnormalities. It's not like people uh, breed to have blind or deaf children or anything. You know what? I, you understand what I'm saying? So they're not yeah. doing this on purpose. It's just an act of nature. It just occurs yeah. anytime you're dealing with any with any type of form of life. It's going to happen. They start well, coming out in yeah. high numbers. You got to evaluate the situation. Right. I mean, if you start hatching hundreds, oh, you know, yeah. I mean, oh, oh, going on? every clutch that this female is throwing is doing this. Well, then exactly. you know you have an issue. You know, and it's my yeah. understanding, like the spider can gene has some issues. There's some issues with some morphs and leopard geckos, so we just choose not to work with those morphs. But I don't bash or have anything negative to say about anybody that does. Yeah, we just but choose not would, to work with them. I would hope that they don't push those as pets and they release all the possible problematics that come with it when yeah, they just release be clear. Like, people need to people yeah. need to tell the truth. Like right. that, that's right. I, I know in the past there have been uh certain animals that were sold with certain morphs. Uh the person selling it knew before they let that project go that there were issues, but then they sold that project for a ton. And then the people get it and realize they can't do anything with it. Right. It's messed yeah. up and yeah. screwed. Right. right. Now that's a different ballgame. That's not okay. That's not okay at all. I, I, I realize. I'm sure that Sean Sean Gray is going to be like, "It's the Reptile Gumbo Podcast, Katie." But I'm going to throw this out there anyways. When you adopt a dog or a cat from a shelter, you're going to pay two hundred to three hundred dollars. Yeah, don't just give them away because you're paying vet fees and you're paying. A lot of times, spay and neuter fees and things like that. So with a reptile, if you think about it, if, if he were to put that up for free, he would have had 40 million emails to go through. Whereas a $200 price tag, people that are genuinely interested are going to contact and he's going to have to weed through. Well, like and- you said with your pet, a pet only, that's not the main thing on your table. They're kind of, and I've seen them, they're off to the side. So unless you know that's where the pet onlys are normally sitting, Right. You you don't realize that's what's over there. Well, and and for a snake like that, those kinds of snakes with issues like that with no eyes or something like that are actually pretty good snakes at getting people that are afraid of snakes over that fear, right? Because you you give them this this characteristic that's very unsnake like, and they kind of feel yeah. sorry for it, and then mm-hmm. it draws them in. So that that snake will go to somebody, and it will probably cause someone to hold, look at, or at least touch a snake that probably never would have. 
So it's, it's really interesting that you say that because the bearded dragon that we have in our classroom is a rescue. She had metabolic bone disease. Her arms, her joints are all still swollen, even though she's moving around well on her yeah, own. Yeah, I took her to class today. You took her to school today for your high school kids. Um, her tank is huge. I just haven't taken it back up since Christmas. But um, when I first introduced her to the students in my classroom, I told them about these issues. And these kids that were terrified to come in, the minute that she had special needs and they realized, hey, I have to help take care of this. Yeah. It was a totally different outlook on the animal. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's it all is. about making the right match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you have to take into consideration it. That breeder fed that animal for X amount of time, and you know, and yeah. took put their time and their energy into it. So you have to take all that into consideration, you know. So we do release pet onlys, but we don't give them away. They have a price tag on them. <laughs> yeah, and that's just responsibility. So I'm, I'm scrolling through our. our- Facebook group page just to see some of the things. And Travis Wyman went crazy this week on. I think, on I think he felt called out the week before. Uh, I go through some, a lot of fossils. There's one, it was a, it was a cool fossil of a, a coelacanth, which is a fish that we thought was extinct and then found out it wasn't extinct and it's like a prehistoric. I'm glad you knew how to say that word. <laughs> <laughs> They're really cool. They looked, the, but the this fossil the, looks cool. Well, like the title says, Enormous Ancient Fish Fossil Discovered in Search of pterodact- Pterodactyl Remains, which is just also cool on its own. By the way, do you know pterodactyls are not dinosaurs? You've told me this before. Yeah, they're reptiles. Mm-hmm. Flying reptiles. I do listen occasionally. That's not true. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm going to have to mention his name because this is his video he posted. Just John Grant. John Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we even whisper his name? Uh, like, when did that become a thing? Well, there's a picture, there's a video of a skink Fighting off a giant ass spider, and it's just like a common garter snake, like garden skink. Like it's not anything special. But it is fighting. It is a serious. It looks like, like a wolf spider. Fight to the death. No, wolf spiders are hairier. That that's, that's not a wolf spider. Oh, not with those long skinny legs. Oh, but that is a cool video. That's over there. If anybody wants to go watch it, that's a cool video. Um, We've talked about that before. What? Uh, Lavissa's post. About when, oh, when your comment kill, is yeah about oh, killing spiders about killing that spiders. you find in your house. Yeah. The the spider the amount of clothes I have on is directly proportional to whether that spider survives or not. Exactly. If I'm fully clothed, it lives. It lives. I'll take it outside for a break. If I make it, it dies. And then there's anywhere in between. Well, so we have, I'm pretty sure if that spider before. sees me naked, it's just gonna fucking die. Right there, so. <laughs> um, it's like, look at that uh, giant white thing. What is that? Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> Oh, Travis Wong posted this one. It was the uh, how to tell if your leopard gecko is healthy. Oh, my gosh. I still think mine probably should go on a diet. No, I don't care is, what you Yours say. does not look like – anyways, it's got five pictures of leopard geckos. Yeah. Anybody's wondering I'm familiar with the, the weight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sean and, Gray has posted it before also. And, well, Travis Wyman just messaged me. Okay, that's that's a little much. Okay, I'll, I'll find out what that means later. Anyways, Travis, <laughs> stop it. Uh, leopard gecko body condition score chart. Yours is somewhere between three and four. Yes. But four is not bad. Yours is not five. Or oh, it was like a sumo wrestler. <laughs> the t- so the body on five is fatter than the tail on five. Whereas on four, the tail is fatter than the body. Because well, the tail is a fat reserve. So and I feel first. like mine has the body of four, but the tail of five. No, yours is not that big. 
At least it doesn't look one the scares. The only one I have, so I'm like way over paranoid. About one that. on this chart, chart scares the shit out of me. If I saw that, I would be horrified. <gasps> I don't I think know what stick. to do about that. Yeah, I mean, that is bad. And but as a breeder, we try to get our females just right up to that four right before breeding season because they're gonna go down. That makes sense. Yeah, now, we yeah, don't that makes them sense. big all the time, but we try to yeah. bump them up for what they're fixing to go through. You know? Well, it's, it's the same with people breeding snakes. They feed their snakes heavily before they breed them. It's just with lever geckos, like you said, with these smaller lizards, they put on weight quickly. They yeah. also lose weight quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. And African so fat tails, African fat tails lose weight faster than leopard geckos. They don't tend to maintain weight like a leopard gecko does. I don't know if, if Robert, if you've ever had this issue with ball pythons, I know that James has... Um, some sand boas, and I think it was a red tail maybe one time. Like the larger males aren't ever really interested in breeding. The smaller males tend to get oh, the job a, done better. It was a red tail. I had a big red tail. That yeah. did. That's what it was. A, a common boa for anybody that gets offended when you call it a red tail. <laughs> but I didn't a know fucking red tail. Get over it. Right. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, no, I was going to say, is that common in geckos? Yes. Yeah, if you yeah. get them too big, you, your, your females don't your males are lazy and your females have no yeah. interest. I mean, that's really yeah. what it amounts to, you know. My big so, male boa would just sit in the corner and do nothing. Yep. The, the little guys are excited to do their job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, LaVissa posted this video from uh, Adam Wickens from Wickens Wicked Reptiles, who we've had on the show before. And it was taking away our reptiles, which was a very interesting video because Adam is from Canada. Mm-hmm. This whole video, though talks about all the stuff that we are facing right now in the U.S., which if no one is, I don't know how anybody can, if you're in a Facebook group, you haven't seen the 5 million things that have been going on, but there is a huge attack right now on all animals. Now, it's really uh, it gained ground because of COVID, and obviously groups like PETA and the Advanced Society jump on that and want to blame all animals for the spread of COVID, when we know that our animals aren't spreading shit. But <laughs> I've been told since a kid that turtles and lizards and snakes will give you salmonella. I have met almost no one that has gotten salmonella from owning a reptile yet. I mean, what are so, you doing? Playing with them in your mouth? <laughs> I'm about to say that's, do you know people that have had salmonella? I don't know. He meant salmonella. Well, I mean, maybe. I don't know. If I, if I, I do, I don't even know. probably from I'm chicken, not though, and not from this. So, But in, in Adam's video, he talks about there are a lot of things right now, a lot of bills that are trying to be passed right now. Uh, and I just want to kind of hit on a few of them. And everyone needs to pay attention to U.S. ARC. And I want to get into a little bit of that in a second, too. But uh, U.S. ARC is the one that fights for our right to keep reptiles. Not fight, It doesn't fight for, you know, Jay and Tanya's right to have 300-something geckos and my right to breed safe. They fight for your right to own one bearded dragon or to own one corn snake. And right, right now, there are states that are starting to make ridiculous bills, trying to pass ridiculous bills. And again, those bills, I can almost guarantee, are backed with the money from PETA and the Humane Society. Yep. May, their main name may not be on it. Their money is there. Right. Oh, yeah. um, so if you if you love your animals, do not ever give money to PETA or the Humane Society of the United States. Don't don't do it. Don't don't ever. Um, if you want to give to a to an animal shelter, that's great. They're wonderful. Those are local things, but. There's one in South Carolina right now that is trying to ban the ownership of tegus. Uh, I think Georgia is trying to do the same thing. 
uh, for fear of Tegu's taking over and becoming invasive. And, and it's crazy. Um, and Adam talks a lot in this video that outright bans will never work. Outright bans turn people into criminals. Because I'm telling you right now, the, the three uh, households right here in this conversation, if they outright banned the animals we owned, Tomorrow, we're not getting rid of them. We're no. just going to be criminals. I'll just yeah. go off the grid. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I've never had an issue with a properly done permit system. Um, the only problem with a permit system is at that point, you're on a list and people yeah. then know what you have. And then that can always come back to bite you. But I would much rather a permit system than an outright ban of anything. And yeah. so right now, South Carolina and Georgia are going through a really bad problem with them trying to get rid of the Tegus, trying to outlaw Tegus, which yeah. I've never owned one, but I've always wanted to. And, well, and Adam made a good point. If you're allergic to like dogs or cats and you want a good sized animal that will give you that kind of attention, yes. Tegus really do fit that. that yeah, they do. They're, they're great. Really do. They're really cool. Well, uh, Georgia already had some draconian laws. You can't even have a corn snake in Georgia. Georgia wow. is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You can't own Quaker parrots because Quaker parrots could live in the wild. I'm like, well, so can a fucking dog and cat, but you can oh own dogs and cats. Like, right. I don't understand wow. that idea. Never go to Georgia. Georgia's <laughs> <laughs> animal laws are ridiculous. Well, that's like um, Rachel and I had considered at one point maybe moving to Colorado. And then I'm like, you can't have both snakes and you can't have hognose there. I'm not going. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you yeah, look at wildlife and fisheries. Look how much they do on purpose. Like they, yeah. they stock Florida bass in Texas or this species that doesn't exist in this state is now existing. But that's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, they purposely well, do it. The reason it. it's okay is because people aren't afraid of Florida strain bass. Right. People aren't afraid, well, afraid of cats. Which is why axis deer that died by the thousands out here over this winter storm. Yeah. Yeah, because they're still alive. They couldn't handle the window. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them. I'm so sorry. Stop I'm coming into the microphone. I, I just mean to. I went to go tell our daughter to get ready for bed, and I walked back down the hallway. I have the hiccups. I'm so sorry. <laughs> right into the microphone. I just mean to. I'm sitting here going, she's going to hiccup into the microphone, and then it happened. Uh, so anyways, sorry. but like, uh, like I said, and then uh, New York right now, there's a bill where they're trying to outlaw the shipping of any animal, right. dog, cat, oh, yeah, it doesn't any animal. What it is. Um, and the the repercussions of that could be huge. Yes. Uh, it won't just affect someone breeding out of their house and want to ship a snake across the country. It'll affect pet stores. Yeah. I mean, yeah. pet stores won't be able to get animals. They won't be able to ship animals in. Exactly. Ship animals out. I mean, that's a ridiculous law that serves no purpose. If, they, if there's an actual issue, I understand trying to put a law in place to fix that. But a lot of these laws are trying to get passed and they don't really fix an actual issue. There is no issue with Tegus in South Carolina and no one truly believes, no expert about Tegus truly believes that there could be a population of breeding Tegus in South Carolina. Right. It does get cold there in the winter. So, um, and Adam talked about uh, up I think in Saskatchewan where ball pythons are outlawed. That makes no sense. That's, I mean, no. this thing can't survive in the winter in Saskatchewan. Right. It, what does survive? Moose, <laughs> moose and bears. <laughs> but and so and I think it's like four or five foot. No one's ever been killed by one. That's a law that got passed by someone who didn't like snakes, and that's the problems with a lot of our laws. That well, all these bills that are being put in are being put in by one 
these animal rights groups that don't do shit for animals. Right. Again, I hate PETA and the Humane Society. And they put them in front of these politicians who don't know anything other than they were raised not to like snakes. So sure, right. nobody else likes snakes. Let's get rid of them. Yeah, and they're trying uh, to put a blank. They're trying to put blanket laws over everything. You know, there might be an issue with this in this place, but they're trying to put a blanket over the whole United States and over all animals in general. And it's like that, that it's just not necessary. They're just going above and beyond and it's ridiculous. Well, in Oregon is going through, there's a bill that they're trying to pass that would outlaw traveling animal shows. So all of us that grew up with those people that came to our school and brought snakes or came to the, none of that would happen anymore. They wouldn't let any, that, that, that's education. They're trying right. to put a bill in place that stops education. Right. That right there just seems so ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Um, and it, and it, it's, it's really sad because like you talked about going to the schools and everything, that's so important because so many people don't realize that the children are the most important part of our hobby because right. they are the future. So without them and without bringing them in and undoing the scared or the, the fear that that's instilled in them and showing them all of this, we don't have a future. So that's important. The, the, it's so important to keep these animals. I mean, there are so many animals in captivity that are, are you can't find them in the wild. You know, that, that, and people are working with them and doing things with them. And if we don't educate our children in schools and so on and so forth, where's the future of that going to be? It's just going to be gone. There's more crested geckos and more axolotls in captivity than exactly. there are in the wild. Yeah, exactly. Crested geckos were thought to be extinct yep. like 20 years ago. Yep. It's, it's, yeah. it's like there are more the in Texas than there are in Africa. Yeah. 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 The scimitar horn oryx is extinct. The scimitar horn orange is extinct in its natural range, and we have thousands of them in Texas. Yep. You know, they pay, they stay. And I just, and the thing is, all of these things are happening right now. U.S. Art is always out there fighting, and usually it's one or two fires they're trying to put out. Right now, there's it's about six fun. fires across the country that are all being lit at the same time. Yeah, they have yep. and, it's gonna, right and it's going to stretch them thin. Well, I, I'm so, JT from. Uh, I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Uh, I'm following his suit, man. I'm if I'm buying a, an animal from you, I'm gonna ask you: Are you a member of US Art? Can you send me your badge? Because <laughs> yep. I mean, it's five bucks. And, five bucks a month is the the lowest entry level you can do. I yeah, mean, or you can do, or you can do five dollars for the year. Four, yeah, forty bucks, and you get a shirt. Yeah, yeah. and a shirt. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, find a shirt for twenty under twenty bucks. I mean, it's right. Yeah. I mean, I would love to be a gold I, member. I just can't drop a thousand bucks on that right now. But I did two fifty for a silver. You know, yeah. I'm a bronze. I bought, put my forty bucks in, got my shirt. Right. I'm a bronze member. Yeah, yeah. Um, I there. So there were a couple posts this week because with dealing with that because US Arc is working so damn hard right now and getting so stretched thin. Um, Rob up at Nerd posted online that uh, show promoters. This would be hard to do, and I know, but I like I like the idea behind it. Show promoters should request that any vendor that sells at their show be a US ARC member. Um, if you're going to make money off the hobby, you should be putting back into the hobby. And as, as ridiculous as that may seem for some people, go, well, why should I have to do that? If I, it's forty fucking dollars. If you're yeah. if you're not selling something on your table that makes forty dollars, you're probably not selling something at a reptile show. It's just exactly. I mean, 
It's the same and so people I, that are keeping you from buying a hundred thousand permits and red tape and everything to do what you're doing in the first place. That's so, right. Yeah. I mean, all that money that you send to USR doesn't go. It's not like PETA. Look, PETA may take in a hundred million dollars and spend only a million of it on actual animals, and usually that's to to kill them. Yeah. Uh, like the human shuttler. Right. But. What you send to U.S. Ark is going to U.S. Ark to fight. It's it's so bad in some places that like te- uh, Florida has its own U.S. Ark, uh, Florida group. Like yep. there's U.S. Ark Florida, and then there's U.S. Ark for the rest of the country. <laughs> That's how bad it is in Florida. Yeah. Right. Um. And so I just anybody listening, I asked you please just just go. Look, forty bucks. Just when you get paid into this month or whatever, go spend your forty bucks. Get your free shirt. It's a cool shirt. And and then you're a member, and then you've done your part to help out, and then next year it's forty bucks again next year. So right. I think I might cut yeah. a cu- I might cut a couple of signs for the show this weekend with you. I guess I should send them an email and see if I can use their logo. Cut a couple of signs, sell them at the show, and then donate that money to US Art. That'd be cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, let me see if I can and make so, that happen. And and, I, and like you said with JT, uh, he said you know don't buy from someone who doesn't who can't show you they're a member, and yeah. I. And I agree. I, it's just, it's not an outrageous thing to ask for. So we're not asking, again, we're not asking you to be a gold member and $1,000 down at them. Uh, but I saw that a lot of this week on Facebook, all the US ARC stuff. And I just had to bring it up because it's vitally important. If, if you, and, and again, as Adam says in his video, and as we've said before, and as a lot of people, it doesn't matter if your state is not under attack right now. That's right. Any state in the country that's under attack. Attacks every state. That's, right. That's how this works. Once, once South Carolina says all right, and we pass the no tegu law, mm-hmm. okay, Tennessee is going to do it. Yep. Then Alabama's going to do it. The Miss- and it's just going to spread. And make sure it's when you see these, effect. when you see these links, click on the click on it and sign the petition. That is sign it, share person. it. Yeah. sign it, share it, and just keep sharing it and just come at home. It's got to be signed. We got to stop this. This will affect. So many people and so many lives. And if, and if you are, if $40 is too much for you, and I, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm really yelling at people that breed and make money off the hobby being US Art members. Everyone else, it would be nice if you are, but I get it. Sometimes you're living check to check. If you can't do that, every time you see one of these petitions shared, yes. sign it, share it. Every time you, time you see a US Art thing shared, click on that and share it. Yes. Just get yeah. it out there because as much as it seems we're sitting here talking to each other and we go to reptile shows and we're surrounded by other reptile people. We seem like this is a big hobby. It's really not right. Um, it's amazing how small the hobby really is, even though it feels very large because we're spread across the country. Right. Yeah. So as much as we're like, well, a lot of other people will sign that petition and they'll see that all of those people like snakes. It's not really not a lot of people right. when it comes down to it. Right. And you don't have to become a member. You can make a donation if you choose not to make become a member. You can just make a donation to them. You know, that, but yeah. signing those petitions, it's, it's we've got to important. get them signed. That's just so important right now. It's very important. And, and I think from the outside looking in, what a lot of the general public doesn't understand is we self-regulate. You're not going to get very far in this industry if you're not doing things right. The people around you are going to make sure you don't. Ask Ball Pythons 101. <laughs> that was last week we're done. We're moving on. I moved on. I moved on. So, and I, I do apologize. You may have brought this up. I went to go get water to get rid of my hiccups because they were I, making uh, me very sick to my stomach. 
Did you talk about if you do sell to donate a portion of your? No, we haven't mentioned that, but yeah. Okay. James, I may have ahead, ordered, I may have ordered a shirt that says "Ball Pythons One and Done." <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why must you encourage That's this funny. behavior from him? That's funny. Why? It, but as Katie was saying, yeah, I forget who it is, but as, it's somebody that we know. Yeah, I think JP said that. Also. Oh no, uh, Eric Burke does that. That's who it is. Eric Burke does it. So, so it's I'll, not someone I know. It's someone that I've listened to on another podcast. I kind of know. Uh, <laughs> He had the great idea, and, and and I don't have any animals right now to sell, so I don't really have that extra money. But every time you sell an animal, take $10 from that animal and put that aside and send that to U.S. Heart. I mean, that if you need to. he does 5%. Whatever, I mean, whatever it is. Or he, he has a percentage. It can be a percentage or an amount, however you want to do it. That's pretty cool. Uh, hey, that's a good idea. But, yeah. That's a so really just, good just, idea. If, and if you're sitting there going, well, I don't want to. Just upcharge your animal ten dollars if you need to make that money. Right. If it's that yeah. bad to you, and you know what you can do is you can tell people. Yeah, we've done yeah, that's that. exactly what you do. Well, what we've done you it. We tell them, hey, Life Center. Um, in the past at the Corpus show, we've done that. Um, we donated a, a portion of the money that we earned that weekend to the Sea Life Center because they were battling something very similar to what they're battling right now. I believe it was a hurricane that had come through, if I'm not mistaken, and it was just devastating to the sea life and everything. And so we donated a a portion of our earnings from that weekend to the Sea Life Center. It's it's not a lot. It doesn't take much. And Just just think of it as your your tax for being in the hobby. Exactly. It could be $5 per animal, but... That adds up over time, you know. So then, yeah, that's then, a great idea. I'm, this community man. is no different than <laughs> any other. You're only going to get back what you put into. Yeah. It, it, it Which is why. Well, it's why we're so we're so lucky to be in where we are with Sean and Lori and putting the Herp shows together, and we've all met each other because um, our community in Louisiana, Oklahoma, Texas is very very close. Very. Very, very because of all because we're a family. <laughs> yeah, we we are a family. I mean, that's just it's how it goes. It's how we operate, and it's just what we do. You know. So, and just saying, if you're out there, please donate to USR again. If you own one animal, they're fighting for your right to own the one animal. As much as it may not seem like it, I'm telling you. And like you said, it's not just reptiles. I mean, they're going after everything. They're going after dogs, cats, everything. Oh, yeah. They're oh, after yeah. everything. So don't just think it's the reptile people that are fighting with this. They're fighting for all of your rights. Any animal that right. you have, they're fighting for all of your rights. You know? So, yeah, it's very important. Because one law brings another law, brings another law. Yep. And it makes, it, makes it much lump. easier to pass the exactly. next law than pass the first. And they'll lump a lot of animals in. Yeah. Not re- not thinking that you're gonna. Well, exactly. Alabama, I think is Alabama's trying to pass a large constrictor law also right now, which oh. would outlaw African rocks. I think berms, retics, anacondas, uh, things that have never been an issue for Alabama. I lived there. I mean, I, I went to high school and college in Alabama, and no one was ever like, "Oh my God, these large snakes are horrible." Right. Well, yeah. like so, the, the Illinois ban that they're working on now, it specifically is for mammals. But they said if this bill passes, it would take. Zero effort for them to amend it to be reptiles. Yeah. So yep. that's why they're fighting it. It doesn't even affect us right now. Right. But it could, so they're fighting it. Yeah. Yep. So sign those petitions. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and send uh, your money. Right. <laughs> a really sad thing is a lot of the people that are pushing these laws 
are some of the least educated about these animals. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Oh, yeah, because the people that are that are paying to have these bills pushed in front of them aren't trying to educate them on anything. They're no. just no. like, here's the bill, and then they'll give them some sort of scare tactic. Isn't that how it all is in everything? That's how it is in education. That's how it is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, so Travis has also been posting a lot of frog information. And I know, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I know that Tanya has frogs. I do. And loves her frogs. I do. Because we've talked about her frogs. <laughs> her. <laughs> yes. She is like the frog whisperer. Like if if I have a uh, the Samsons have issues with frogs, she can get them to eat, and she just has like the she has the magic touch when it comes to frogs. But this this article that you've got pulled up, it's about yes. the breeding behavior that was reported in tree frogs. Well, that was a, a certain pretty, a certain tree frog. Yeah, that was actually a, a pretty neat little article. Yeah, they, they breed in the where the water collects at the bottom of bromeliads. Mm-hmm. So. They don't actually breed in a body of water as much as they breed in these little pools of water that build up in the bottom of these plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then their tadpoles are laid in there and, mm-hmm. and they grow inside these little water. In the plant itself. Yeah, it's inside. a leaf tank. Yeah. 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 One interesting thing That's- going through the hurricanes, where we were living, we would get green and gray tree frogs. You'd vary. I've never seen a gray tree frog in the wild. Yeah. We'd have them, but you wouldn't see them that often. Now, after the trees fell... All I saw was gray tree frogs. So, oh, so I wow. figured, well, they must live at a higher elevation than our so they must way live up there. Up high. That makes we sense. brought them down. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen uh, what they use to trap? Well, say trap to be able to catch tree frogs. Have you ever seen how they do it? No. So you take PVC and you just drill it into the side of a tree. So you take like two inch PVC and just drill it and attach it to the side of a tree. And then you just come back periodically and check the PVC. Oh, yeah. They'll climb up in there. Oh, that's cool. And I they'll hide inside the tree. I, that's we, Jay, when, when Jay would build me a, um, a flower box, like a flower bed, he would, in the corners, in the all four corners, he would uh, bury down a piece of pipe and for that, for the frogs to have a place. I don't have a frog addiction. Oh, cool. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, we've made... <laughs> We've made several uh, toad abodes where you take like a, say, a we, clay pot and you kind of break it into pieces and put it around for them to hide under. And they, we do it at like, yeah, we do it at zoo camps and with Girl Scouts because the kids can paint them. And so it's a really easy activity for them to be able to do. And then they can put it in their yard to come back and check later. Yep, the day after Hurricane Laura hit, um, we were standing at our front door, literally crying, looking out at our property, crying. And I looked to my looked down to my left, and what we called Mama Toad, because she was just a wild toad that would come and eat the random crickets that would get around the house and everything from us having so many crickets at home, of course, you know. But I looked down, and there she was, and I nice. just started. Crying. That just made you cry even harder. <laughs> I was crying even harder. We're big nature buffs. Outside of the reptile world, we're just nature buffs, you know. So, yeah, yeah, that was a big deal for me. I love birds. I love – I'm just a nature. I love it. Here's another article that Travis posted because he was really busy this week. He was busy this week. Uh, Oldest skink fossil found in Australian outback may hold key to lizard evolution. And uh, this hits a little because I've been talking classification lately in my class, and we did evolution before this. And uh, Australia is a clusterfuck when it comes to evolution. Uh, Australia broke off from the rest of the continents earlier than the rest of them did. And so that's how you end up with things like, I mean, the mammal evolution in Australia is crazy. Because, I mean, you've got monotremes, you've got platypus and echidna, mammals that lay eggs. That in right. itself is just weird. <laughs> uh, 
you have the largest group of marsupials who give birth to these little alien pink things that have to crawl up the outside of the mom and into the pouch to finish growing. And then here it talks about uh, this skink, 25 million year old specimen that they, they dug up of a skink to give an idea of the evolution. There's actually a skink that's evolving right now in uh, Australia that is going through a change where some of the individuals lay eggs and some of the individuals give live birth. Oh, wow. Uh, because the, the ones had higher elevations, it's too cold for them to lay eggs. So they have began to evolve to hold the eggs inside and then give live birth, whereas the ones at lower elevation are still laying the eggs. So give it another 100,000, 200,000 years, whatever, and these may be two totally different species. But right now, they are the same species. Okay, that's pretty cool. It is. Nature always seems to find a way, doesn't it? It just uh, I mean, that, that whole – well, that whole part. And then you've got in, um, in New Guinea, you've got the uh, – Tuataras, which are also on its own little thing. Tuataras are amazing. Anybody out there that loves reptiles, you definitely have to at least know or look up what Tuatara is. It's It looks like a lizard, but it's not a lizard. And it's the only group of reptiles that were around now and when dinosaurs were here. Uh, all other reptiles that are here now evolved later. Right. So it's just, it's a weird part of the world, especially when it comes to reptiles. So that was, that was kind of cool. Uh, just going through all Travis's stuff. Man, tra- Jesus Christ, Travis. <laughs> Uh, scientists discover how a group of caterpillars became poisonous. Uh, I'm not reading that one, but I appreciate it. This one I saw that one was, cool. was the yellow and white penguin. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that was really cool. Let's see how yeah, and it wasn't leucistic. Well, it's not leucistic because yeah. it's yellow. It's not solid right. white. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if it's albino because I, I think I saw a picture where the eyes don't look red or pink. Yeah. So I don't know. But it's a weird-ass looking penguin. It is. We watched Mr. Popper's Penguins last night. You slept through most of it. Oh, darn. I don't remember that. Oh, I don't know that you were there. That was good. Well, Josephine and I have both read the book, so that's what we were expecting. Okay. It is nothing like the book, but it's still a cute movie. Darn, I hate I that I missed it. that. This one's cool. It was a tadpole, <laughs> also posted by Travis. In Vietnam, it's got like a little horn on its nose. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a horn. It's a type of like horned uh, frog, but the tadpole has a horn, which was kind of weird. Wow. That's interesting. Um, oh, and there's me making fun of a certain You're ball python person. <laughs> oh, go ahead and we'll throw out again the Herbs Family Foundation because I'm scrolling past that. Uh, as we're out there telling people to give money to people, Herbs Family Foundation is a great cause. You can always PayPal is HerbsFamilyStrong at gmail.com. And there is a certain someone who will be dyeing their beard. Yeah, Max. Oh, yeah, Max uh, he, he last week, if, if he got $5,000 donated, yeah. Max would would dye his beard blue like and and John Grant said he would dye his beard pink. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know when that the dyeing will take place, um, but the 5,000 mark has been hit. It has. So, uh, Hey Max, it's, uh, it's not <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, and then I posted. Are you going to toot your own horn? I am. I, t- I posted a picture of my tortoise <laughs> finally getting to come outside. That's like the second one you scrolled past. Oh, and I, I was, was waiting on you to stop. I, like right before you posted that, I was. I think it was. I was talking to Jay about it, uh, uh, or I was just thinking about it. I don't remember what it was, but I thought about your tortoises, and I could not. I could not wait to hear how they came yeah. out of they, it. All that's awesome. They. They were great. They were happy to come out. I know. Uh, and, and they came out and they started eating right away. That's they awesome. Just, <laughs> the smallest one to school today, didn't I didn't take the small. The smallest one is not small anymore. No. <laughs> I, I took a tub out there this morning to put her in it. And then when I got out there and I realized, oh, shit, she no longer fits in this tub. <laughs> you told me yesterday. So 
which is classification. He takes animals into I the take, classroom with I'll him. take a lizard, a snake, and a, and a tortoise, and we compare and contrast the similarities and differences between the two. Cool. Which is cool. Or three. And, uh, we, we both teach at really low income, very high poverty well, schools. My kids, I had a kid yesterday tell me that the only animals he knew were dog, cat, and squirrel. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that's, that's wow. what we're around. Okay. He, he asked me, he goes, have you ever seen a penguin? And he was amazed when I was like, yeah, I've seen a penguin. Yeah. I'm like, how have you not seen so, a penguin? So, like, these are they the kids we teach. Wow. Uh, Sad. But when you told me last night, you were like, yeah, I'm going to take the, the small girl from the yard. I'm thinking, you, do you not realize how big she's gotten? Yeah, she's like, yeah. I think tomorrow I'm actually taking the small one from inside. Yeah, that's the one I thought we were taking. That's the one that's not big enough to go outside yet. It must be yeah. everybody's favorite. Go past my frog article. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so Travis posted um, the Herpetological Conservation International. Um, I guess it's Herp, Herps Team Mexico. They actually have described two new frog species. A peeper frog. They are. They're peeper frogs. And they're so tiny. Like, they, I mean, they're just Like itty most bitty. peeper frogs. Um, but let me scroll to the bottom of the article. Which make peeper noises. I don't know what those are. Would you like to demonstrate for <laughs> No, I'm good. I mean, I'm sure your listeners. <laughs> we have peepers. Love that. We have we? peepers around here. Um, so one of them is actually um, the spot-lipped trilling frog. And then the balsamo peeping frog. The balsamic vinegar frog. Oh. <laughs> but one of the frogs, the reason they found it is because they heard the trill that they weren't familiar with. So no one on the expedition yep. was, they were like, what is this But noise? they found like, these after they found a rare, like the rarest rattlesnake found in yeah. Mexico, the long-tailed rattlesnake. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so long. that's when they went back to look, because um, they're, they're a very viper-obsessed team, what the article says. And so when they went back for the long-tailed rattlesnake to do more research, that's actually when they discovered the frogs. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. The rattlesnake's cooler. That's I like frogs. That's pretty cool. Frogs. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that, that got us through. Man, that was a lot of stuff. Well, we, we yeah, had to skip a lot of it last week did, because we of because of last week's podcast, yeah. which was a great podcast. I enjoyed that one. But yeah. I was looking forward to get y'all on here. And now Sean can suck it because we had lizard people That's on. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have Rachel up about Finally yes. having gecko people, lizard people on. <laughs> we need some frog people. We need some tarantula people. Or like, the movie, people. or like the movie Alligator People. No. Have any of y'all seen the movie Alligator People? No. no. Oh my god, it's amazing! So, it's a nineteen, it's a nineteen fifties like black and white oh, B yeah. horror movie. That sounds like a Saturday night after a Herp show oh, movie night. Okay. That would be an awesome movie. It's hilarious. My old my old zoo director. We watched it one night at the zoo. so we had we had like movie night at the zoo and we and we watched Monster House, which by the way is not a fucking movie for kids. That is not a kids movie. Not a kids what movie. What you say? It is. Scary. It's, it's a house where a woman died. And she became part of the house. And then she eats kids. Oh, not a fucking kids. Movie. No. <laughs> it's terrifying. And then after after like all the guests kind of left, we put in alligator people on the big screen and all the keepers and we watched alligator people it's and that was so- amazing. Dorky. Oh, it's hilarious! No, James has a thing with like I love bad horror movies. Horror movies and- I can't remember the one, but there's one where like there's a giant Gila monster and it's crushing a town. And- <laughs> but crazy stuff. Okay. So, has anybody listened to anything in the podcast world this week? I haven't listened. I'm about a year and a half behind on podcasts at this point. Yeah, I actually did. What? Oh, that's how you did. I listened to the Modern Medusa podcast, which is our friend Dominique. Yes. Is it Defalco? Defalco. 
Um, first of all, let me just say that I think I could listen to her voice on a podcast literally all day long. She had one of our Herps family members on. She did. She did. She had Elise um, from Lago from E Squared Exotics. She was actually her first guest. Which has an awesome backstory, by the way. Well, except for the whole, being, for the whole like, being connected to Ole Miss. But I've actually learned a whole lot listening to it. There are little segments that she does where she finds like women in the field. And I'm not talking like recent in the field. I'm talking like. A hundred years ago, this is something that they, they, they've started and they've done. And it's, it's been really cool to listen to it. And our buddy with Port City Pet, Joe Phelan, is, I mean, he's producing it all for her and doing an awesome job. So she's got four episodes out. They're about an hour and a half each. And they're, they're really awesome to listen to. Yeah, well, I saw the first one pop up and it had Elise's name. I was like, wait a minute, I know that name. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, a lot of Eric and Elise, they're good people. Yeah. They are. I have fallen yeah. so far behind on podcast. Yeah, I was excited. I listened to it while I was stuck. Well, I've stuff. got a bunch of po- a bunch of road trips coming up soon to make it to shows, so I got time to listen Ew. to podcasts. Yep. There you go. <laughs> That's normally when we listen to podcasts is when we're driving three. Yeah, all, hours all the shows, shows getting all the shows getting canceled in Louisiana it's, really put a damper on my podcast. Right? Yeah. Jeez, James. Rick just posted Tozer that he's still without power. Twelve days. Oh, oh no. no! Really? He he posted yesterday. He lost about a dozen animals. And, oh, that's wow. for him. I mean, that's yeah. Damn. He he actually posted a picture of a about twenty extension cords coming to one power strip, saying, "Is this safe?" Asking for a friend. Friend, day twelve, no power. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah. Oh man, that's blessing. Like I said, and then this whole thing, it, it doesn't matter how prepared you were for, and that's the thing I kept trying to get across, is a lot of the people in this were prepared, yeah. but they were not prepared for something that doesn't happen. Exactly. Like yeah. Like, like LaVissa said, it's like preparing for a hurricane in Indiana. Yeah. yeah, and it's like I told Jay, you know, so many people screaming, you should have had a generator, you should have a generator. Let me explain something to you. We're from Louisiana where they have hurricanes all the time and they know the hurricanes are coming and they never have enough generators. They, they, no. they, they just don't. It's it's days after the storm before they have enough generators and then you're still lucky if you're able to get one. They, and then it's like Black Friday trying my, to get in line. At I'll a tell you, my dad uh, worked in Lafayette for a year and a half, a year at uh, Northern Tool and Generators are like gold when when hurricanes yeah. come. Around. They just can't keep yeah. them. I mean, they and and they went out of their way to like have trucks come on days that I'm supposed to be there, full of generators. And by the time they'd get them that morning, an entire eighteen wheeler is empty and sold by noon. Yeah, yep. And then the problem in Texas was doesn't matter. Okay, you have a generator. You ran it for two days. Where the fuck are you going to refill it? There's no gas. Well, yeah. And I mean, like, us, or you can't drive on the road. That's what I was fixing to say for us. We were snowed yeah. in. We didn't leave until, was it Thursday? I don't think we yeah. left here until Thursday. We yeah. weren't able to even get out until Thursday. I mean, we were literally snowed in. We couldn't drive up and down the driveway even. It was that, that's how deep the snow was. So, I mean, that was. Right. No, yeah, no. Not, <laughs> not this coonass. <laughs> <laughs> I have bad news for you. Guess what I've seen two of today? Mosquitoes. Oh, I know. Oh, they were beating me last night. I was like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, <laughs> well, everybody, I, so I kept seeing people mad. post on Facebook, well, at least this means we won't have mosquitoes this year. And I'm like, have you ever been to 
Have you ever been to Minnesota or Alaska? We don't have mosquitoes here compared to what they have up there. And they freeze so six our, months out of the year. Yeah. Wow, really? Yeah, our, our plumbing was finally fixed. Um, well, it's solved until they can get out until and we- really fix the problem. But we have plumbing again. Um, and when we were standing outside with the plumber the other night, I was like, there's mosquitoes. <laughs> I did I did come home today and, and almost cry. I finally walked over to my cactus. Oh. Uh, they might bounce back. No. It's bad. They're deflated and wrinkly and... And they, they don't, they're not even the right color green anymore. It, uh, that one hurt me. Yeah. I, I put a lot into my cactus and they, and they were really growing and, and they would have been, they were fine. The initial sleet and snow that came through. Cause they just it built up underneath it. There was that fucking rain that fell on them and then froze around them it froze. and killed them. Yeah. And I never, I'll be honest. I never thought about, I didn't think about putting it. a tarp on them because I was, Focusing on tortoises Animals, and making yeah, sure we yeah, had yeah. power inside. Well, and then Wednesday we're focusing on the house like raining. Twenty four leaks going <laughs> right. on. And yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So, so again, you that, can that be as prepared as you yeah. want, but you just can't be prepared. And, for and that's another else, thing, you know. You can be prepared, but you can't predict for how long you need to be prepared. If you can possibly, well, that that's a very good that point. Long. Plus the food yeah, and everything point. else you're just going to go through just enduring it all. It, there's a lot of factors. Well, we're not used to snow being on the ground or ice being on the ground for more than a day. Right. More yeah. than like, a couple hours, let's be real. <laughs> I mean, it may it may snow that night and then the next day it's frozen, but by two it's melted. Right, exactly. Like, and even it was, it was white outside for a week. Yeah, and even that's what I was going to say, even a week. It was a week. And I mean – we weren't ready for that because they didn't make That's, it seem like we were going to be stuck for a week. You know, they see made it seem yeah. like it was going to come through like on Sunday into Monday and then have a couple cold, cold days and then maybe a second round come in Wednesday through Thursday. No, it came in Sunday and didn't stop until Thursday. So, you and know, it, I mean, and it wasn't like a thin layer of ice on the road. It was like two, three inches of ice. On our road. Yeah, yeah, it was we had serious ice that yeah. was hanging here. Like it was serious ice in, here. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case it helps anybody in the future, what what I did, we, we put a bunch of animals in the truck, parked the truck out in the weather, pay attention to wind direction to where it's not blowing towards your windows, crack all the windows. I got my truck up to 95 degrees. I had to cool it off. Yeah, it got too hot. Damn. We had to cool it down. Wow. It's, it, it'll get way warmer than you think. Yes, and it's better. And you regulate it with the windows. Yes. I had thermostats. In, I had thermometers in there. Multiple. Yeah. I was say, make sure you have, you have one. photographs Every, of this. No. Like, did you take oh, so, pictures? Oh. No. Everyone should invest <laughs> in, in the uh, You should all have a garage those, or a carport. Put yes, it that's what I was going to say. It's... Yes, yeah. wide open. Well, everyone should have those thermometers where you have the one that you put outside and then your one you can read inside. Everybody needs to have one of those for yeah. situations like that. I have two in my tortoise bar mm-hmm. on either side so I can see. I put them to where I could see them with a flashlight through the windows so I wouldn't have to crack the door and drop the temp unless I needed to cool it off. Yep. Yeah. Just sense. put bigger cracks and in, in – Adjust the heat. And when we had power back, they stayed in there a little while after we had power back because, of course, we had to get the room back up to temperature and the racks had to come back up to temperature. And yeah. then we put them back in the room and we let them just come to 
their room temperature before we moved them from cups into tubs and then put them back on racks. You know, we didn't want to bring them from one to another. Exactly. We did it really slow, but um, every single one of them ate immediately. As soon as we put them back in their tubs, they they just all ate immediately. So it was really good. We did suffer two tail losses. We had uh, a leopard gecko drop her tail and a fat tail drop her tail. And we just think it was the stress. You know, sure it's breeding season and they're both breeding. They were both grabbed with eggs. So um, they, we did have that, but they're, they're recovering fine and have both actually laid each a clutch of eggs since and eaten. So they're, they're good. But that was what we, that was our biggest thing in the whole thing was two tail drops. Two of our breeders dropped. That's not bad. No. We are very grateful. Very grateful. Yeah, that is not bad. And I don't know how I didn't freeze because my little paranoid ass was out there with the flashlight like every 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of you two for yeah. I mean, And I mean, it was cold in here, you know, So, which is why we took everything like all the incubator eggs out of the incubator because the incubator started dropping immediately. I mean, we were struggling to keep the house, even with the electricity, we were struggling to, struggling to keep it above 67 degrees in here it was yeah. just that cold yeah. you know so and this is a big house with a lot of windows robert you've seen it you know there's a lot of windows here yeah. all right so we have hit about two hours so i think we got to wrap it up i know this has been a good podcast guys and robert's there talking to himself because he has his microphone yeah, your mic's yeah. off <laughs> you're muted <laughs> That's because the the cameras. Rachel was using the microwave, so I muted it while it was in the microwave. <laughs> so, Jay and Tanya, I know you've got a lot of babies coming. It'll be a while before they're ready, but if you want to get a hold of you and stay, keep up with what you've got, what's the best way for them to keep up with everything? Um, Facebook at Gecko Elements. We also have a website, uh, geckoelement.com. Email sales at geckoelement.com, and we'll get back to you ASAP. And come to any Herp any show. Any Herp show, of course. Yes. We yeah. are proud sponsors of the Herp shows and do just about every Herp show there is. There aren't many that we don't do. No. Herp show exclusive. Yep. Yes. And we are Herp show exclusive. We do not be in any other shows outside of Herps. Yeah, it, it's hard to want to vent any other shows after you do a Herp yeah, show. It, it, much like, it very much is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Robert, if they want to get a hold of you and buy a rack. And remember, 10% of all sales this month go to helping the Herbs Family Fund. LSReptileRacks.com, uh, Lone Star Reptile Racks on Facebook and Instagram. And, of course, you can always call me. Uh, my phone number is on the website. I'm easy to get a hold of. It's easy, even, right. even easier if you text me because I get a million phone calls a day. <laughs> All right, James, if people want to get a hold of you. Uh, for me, it'd be simply underscore serpents on Instagram or simply serpents on Facebook. Or for the podcast, it's the Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and at gmail.com. I want to remind everybody again uh, this is the last week to get in on our February giveaway, our $100 to a Southern Reptile Supply uh, at any Herp show. And there's a lot of them. So if you live anywhere in Oklahoma, Texas, Colorado, Missouri, Louisiana, or not come visit. You can uh, you can buy anything there. So go on our Facebook page, make, uh, make a comment about what you would buy with it. Get put into the drawing. Next week we'll announce our winner, and we will be announcing our March giveaway as well. So 
that's all I've got. Awesome. Thank you, Jay and Tanya. This was awesome. Thank you, I was guys. really glad we were able to Thank do this. Thank you guys for having Thank us. We enjoyed it. It was great.